welcome to the Screamcast, episode 95. I am Sean DeRager, and with me is Brad Henderson. Yeah! <laughs> Delayed reaction. Are you there? Yeah! <laughs> okay. BJ is careening along the interstate uh, after watching some WWE, or is it WCW? Whatever the hell. Wrestling. I don't know. If, I don't think WCW exists anymore. Whatever it is right now, I don't. I think it's just like one thing. What is it? WWE. I I basically I basically stopped uh, WNUF at w, when it was WWF was when I stopped paying attention. So I apologize. Yeah, to all that's when. So it's WWF and then WCW, and then they came to, together and they like became like. WWE or WE okay. Okay. wrestling entertainment. I don't gotcha. Know what it is. Okay. Well, uh, we want her to drive safe, and her phone is about to die. So, unfortunately, she will not be joining us on today's show. But um, I think safety is key here. Safety. All the time. So, she will be joining us next episode for sure. Uh, we'll make sure of that. But uh, this week. We have a very special episode. We're going to be talking to the screenwriters of Rock- and directors and well, director. No, he directed uh, directors. Yeah, yeah. They they, they direct together. I'm I'm just you know the IMDb gets me all screwed up. But uh, of the of the film Rocktober Blood. Yeah. Oh man, I can't wait. But uh, first of all, let's jump into what's on our doorstep. Holy cow, I almost forgot. We'll get the door. Pizza. Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. Good stuff. I got got us some good stuff this week. I'm pretty proud of myself for knocking down the, you know, to watch pile. Nice. You'd be proud of me. Who who wants to start? Do you want to start, or do you want? To, I want to start. I'll start. Okay. <laughs> We're very democratic That's here. That's fine. You you just tell me what to do, Sean. I, I <laughs> do anything by your command. Oh man. Okay. Sorry. But uh, anyway, the first thing I got to uh, this week was Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peak that just came out last week. And I'd heard a lot about it. I've heard I'd heard a lot of positive and negative, as as kind of with most of Del Toro's flicks recently, huh? He seems to be hit or miss. But I'm I'm an unashamed fan of Guillermo Del Toro. I you know Pacific Rim's big dumb fun, but I'm a huge fan of um, his earlier work uh, above above everything else. But anyway, so I. I Decided to to buy this and uh, and watch it, and I had a I had a good time with it. It wasn't to me. It wasn't really a a horror film. He calls it gothic. What, what does he call it? Gothic romance. But he definitely doesn't call it horror. But yeah, um, I think he's afraid to call his movies horror. Well, I mean, it's not really. I mean, I don't know. Like, I would call it like gothic horror i mean there's a bunch of different elements to the film there is a ghost element to it but mainly it's uh it's a story 
of this young woman who's she's like an aspiring author. Um, she is played by Mia Wesakowska. I think I got that right. And I don't, I haven't, don't, I don't think I've seen anything she's been in before. Do you think you just got a name right? Yeah, I think so. Wasikowska. So uh, this Edith girl meets this gentleman who's basically trying to raise money for this project he has mining this blood red clay uh, in Europe, in in the UK. And uh, in the and so the one thing leads to another. She ends up heading over with him to the UK after one thing leads to another. And in the meantime, she does see these ghosts. Uh, happen but the main thing is there's some sort of mystery involving Tom Tom Hiddleston's character uh along with uh his sister Lucille played by Jessica Chastain. But um anyway I I I I had a lot of fun with this movie. I thought it was uh it was you know it was a slower paced film. It it took its time creating you know with the characters and I enjoyed a lot of the early parts of the film when it's uh, her and her father and her with the writing and, and things like that. And the introduction of, of uh, Tom Hiddleston's Hiddleston's character. Um, oh yeah. Charlie Hunnam is in this and he's still pretty damn bland. <laughs> I, I, I totally forgot he was in it and he's like one of the main characters, but I think that whole movie's bland. I don't think it's his fault. Very measured and very slow paced. I mean, it's definitely trying for like this gothic horror, like in the vein of like Hammer films. But it's like there's like I just couldn't place like something was off. Um, it looks like a soap opera. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's definitely. I don't know. Like, like here's the the, the movie I can kind of compare this to that worked. Like, women and the woman in black. Was by it was a hammer, it's a Hammer film, you know, PG thirteen ghost story, but that film like works as, as far as how the how everything looks and how it feels like, um, the the haunted house the haunted house aspect and everything. Something about this was a tad artificial, and and I didn't really like the ghosts that much. Like they didn't really do anything for me as far as creep me out. And when you have a ghost element to a story, it should be creepy, but they just felt really artificial to me. And I had some, you know, went back and forth online. I, they looked very CGI, but I guess Ryan Turek, of course, uh, dropped some knowledge on me. And uh, they were a combination of real effect, like some prosthetics, with some CGI enhancement. But I think the CGI enhancement made it, I don't know, just it, it reminded me of the ghost in Mama. And I didn't like that. I didn't like the, that how the, that ghost looked in Mama, and I didn't like how these ghosts looked here. So for me, it kind of drew me out of the film. But um, but what kept me interested was, I think, for the most part, was um, Mia Wasikowska, her character. Um, I I in, she did a really great job, kind of I guess leading the film because she's the main character, and there's enough kind of mystery to keep me intrigued, although it was nothing supremely surprising. So, I mean, I'm always going to be in uh, Guillermo del Toro's corner as far as a, m- a film goes. I think his, like, passion is there for it, but I don't think maybe he wasn't passionate enough about it. I don't know. There's something just off about the film that I couldn't 100% embrace the thing. I think he... 
I don't want to say he worries because I, I think that's the wrong thing to say, but like in a way to, to flat out put, it seems like he should focus more on story and storytelling rather than visuals. Cause I think that's where he faulted at Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. Right. That he wanted it to look good, which it did, but yeah. Man, that felt that movie felt like it was made for twelve years old, twelve year olds. Well, I think I think in a way he was. It's kind of a Star Wars, uh, you know. Yeah, right. right. But there's there's no substance to the script. Yeah, and and it's kind of the same thing that goes for Crimson Peak, and um, you know, I can't say that for Pan's Labyrinth because I think he really oh, man, that's, that's uh, he really film. nailed it. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think he did that with like the second Hellboy film, which the oh, the first was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, he's done a good job in in the past with you know, um, the Devil's Backbone and Chronos. Uh, was yeah, his, that, Kronos that, those two. Yeah, Chronos and Devil's Backbone. Like, I would love to see him yeah. go back well, think, to a film like but that's that. The thing. Yeah, I think he focused a lot more on script and you know. And uh, tension. Now yeah. it just seems that he is making films that are pretty to the eye. He's becoming uh, the Michael. He's like a glorified Michael Bay. He's like now, I'm not he's saying like, he's a good, but that's kind of what right, it feels right, right. like. It's like, oh visual. man, your movies look really good. Because I mean, for the most part, I mean, you know, the Transformer movies blow, but the Transformers actually look pretty good. There's like a reason I some of the action. There's a reason I own the Transformers movies, even though two especially is awful. But they, whenever I want to sh- kind of test my TV or sound system, I always throw in a Transformers Blu-ray because those look and sound the best as far as like that goes. But yeah, the movies blow. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think he did a great job on the Blade sequel, aside from, you know, that uh, shot in the lights. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I think I think he's he's a good director. He really is. It's just that I think he's he's not like he's not grasping like plots, it seems like yeah. he's not he's just not getting it. Yeah, I mean, I still love the movie. I, I still I love the. I don't love it, but I really do respect it a lot. Like Crimson Peak, I don't. I don't know. It's like a love hate with it. Not a love hate, but I mean, I don't know. There's something that's just off about it. Where I'm, I'm thinking about it a lot, so I know that the movie stayed with me. Um, a lot of the non-ghost stuff early in the movie, I think it's almost home run. Before you bring in any ghost elements or anything. The characters and everything are there. It's just as the the plot starts to unfold, it you know it, it kind of goes into. And I don't know if he was trying that or not, but it, it goes into you, you know if you've seen these types of movies and you've seen these there's you know these types of twists and turns, um, you kind of see it coming a mile away. So I don't know if he was trying to keep it uh, us guessing or not, but as a mystery, the mystery I think can get revealed pretty early on if you're paying attention. But I don't know. I, I I liked it. Didn't love it. I wanted to love it though. So, but that's Crimson Peak. It looks wonderful. All right. Next up, uh, I have a stack of Code Red Blu-rays that I have been meaning to get to. So looks like so looks like a soap opera. It was very Crimson Peak was like overly lit. I guess too perfectly lit too bright in certain scenes where you, you there should it should have been darker. I get you. Yeah. 
All right, moving along here. Uh, I got a Code Red Blu-ray here to talk about. And Code Red's hit or miss. I, It's like they're one of those companies where you kind of want to buy all their movies because they're mostly, you know, they're like, they're, they're all, they're bad shit. So, and they're on Blu-ray. So it's something that you, you want to grab, but his price points are crazy. This one I got when it was a bundle. So I think I paid about 20 bucks, 20 bucks per movie, which is if you want to, I don't know, but some, you don't, you don't know what you're getting sometimes, but I've got, uh, I watched the movie Silk from 1980 something, 86. It's a Santiago movie. Most of Santiago's movies are pretty fun. Yep. This was, uh, pretty damn fun. Serial. Yeah. Serial Santiago. Um, I don't know how to pronounce the star's name. C-E-C. Sec? Varel? Cease Varel? I'll just let you go. It's a, I've never seen that uh, name before. But, um, it's your standard, like, 80s cop movie. It's set in Honolulu, uh, there's some bad guys and he'd be taken down and some of the cops may be crooked and it's up to silk to save the day. But, um, it's, it's fun, man. It's just, it's just one of those fun eighties flicks. Not worth the, if you're to buy it now, it's gonna be like 30 bucks. If it's even still available for that, not worth that. But if you ever see this movie, um, you know, give it, give it a watch the uh, the guy in the movie um, is it Bill McLaughlin? He's been in a bunch of other things. Um, I think he was actually in another one of these movies. There's a bunch of scenes where he looks just like Will Ferrell. It's incredible. It's like you can swap Will Ferrell out in that scene, and it would be like a perfect match. You just turned a bunch of people off to watching that movie, <laughs> dude. He he. It's a serious, it's these serious scenes, but he's making the Will Ferrell kind of frowny face. You know what I mean? And and Ugh. with his hair and everything, I haven't and his, seen that movie. And his hairy chest. I don't think I've ever seen that one. It looks just like he looks just like it. Um, there's a, one of the henchmen here, like he has a big old beard and like a cut off shirt and sunglasses the whole time. There's a scene of him running in slow motion that is just incredible. But um, you know, very run of the mill '80s action flick, but. A lot of fun if you're into that sort of thing. I'd recommend checking it out. Uh, the cover has her in a bra, but she does not have a bra with a gun at all in the film. Sorry to burst, burst your bubble. False advertising. The scene that's referenced on the movie poster, she's actually fully dressed in the film. But for the poster, they Maybe put she, her in a bra. She's playing on a co-bed form. <laughs> Yeah, and then Bill will just then Bill will discontinue it. Then you could sell it for like a hundred dollars. Well, you know what's great is we don't have to deal with that bullshit anymore because Screen Archive sells their movies. So most of them, occasionally he does his exclusives, which I don't pay attention to, and those ones he usually gets pissed off and then pulls them. But Screen Archives they they stock them, so you know (laughs) I don't think he, he can pull them from Screen Archives. Fuck that guy. All right, so in honor of Arrow Films releasing Pray for Death on Blu-ray, which is a show... Is that how you're going to say it each time? No. Which is a show Kasugi film. And I realized that I hadn't seen 
Uh, I hadn't watched my Kino Blu-rays yet of Revenge of the Ninja and Enter the Ninja. So, mm. so I pull. So I, I watched the first one, Revenge or uh, uh, Enter the Ninja, and um, I kind of I got to say, man, I was a little bit disappointed by Enter the Ninja because I was kind of. Um. Yeah, it's not the greatest movie. The beginning is batshit amazingness with all the ninjas. And then yeah. you realize that it's a really a training session, which makes no sense. <laughs> because yeah. because uh, the main uh, I don't know, teacher or whatever is beheaded. And then it turns out it was a dummy, but it looked real to me. But um, you end up. Following Frank is it Franco Nero. He's the star. He ends Franco, up being a star. Franco Nero. He's the one, the one white dude in this clan of ninjas who trained with them. So then you go along with his story, his story, um, and Sho Kazugi, Kazugi, Sho Kazugi is kind of left to the sidelines um, until the end of the film when he comes back as the big bad. But um, oh, yeah. I don't know. I, th- I thought it was, this was kind of like a run of the mill kind of '80s action with some ninja stuff, but um, I was kind of disappointed. I was following around this mustached, hairy, mustached man as the main ninja in the film, and not a good old show. But it has its moments. There's some pretty great action beats in this fl- in this flick, but uh, and of course the end delivers with the uh, the battle of of the ninjas. Uh, I like Revenge better, but I think the highlight of that uh, series was Ninja Three. So, well, Ninja Three bar, bar none, I think is the highlight of the, of the series. So, I, so Revenge of the Ninja though is a huge step up from Enter the Ninja. Sho Kasugi enters the starring role, and uh, this this little kid gets to do some major ninja kickass stuff, which is amazing. The scene where he's uh. It's Revenge of the Ninja where he's fighting the blonde chick, right? Yeah, Revenge. Yeah, because Prey for Death has kids so. in it as well. But yeah, Revenge of the Ninja has his son uh, in a flat-out like brawl with the uh, the, the busty blonde that uh, that may or may not be be on his side. But uh, the the action scenes are are awesome. Um, just a lot of fun, and of course that ragtag uh, group of stereotypes that he fights on the playground is always amazing. So I, it turned out I had seen Revenge of the Ninja, so I wasn't. Uh, so I just sat back and I enjoyed the ride of, of Revenge of the Ninja. First time on Blu-ray, though. I think last time I saw it was on uh, just a crappy DVD tra- transfer. Was it? Was it on DVD? Was it? Was that a bad transfer before? I don't know it looked amazing. Yeah, I think they all had. I think they all had MGM releases. On yeah. DVD. So that was great. I mean, Kino just did an awesome job with these. They, you know, they on both or not. Well, End of the Ninja's bare bones, but on Revenge of the Ninja, they offer some audio commentary with Sam uh, Firstenberg and then the st- uh, stunt coordinator Stephen Lambert. So some good stuff there on that. So I think um, didn't didn't the UK. Or not the UK? Didn't like Germany release like a box set of all three? Um, I, th- I think you can, I think you can get all three like in a sure. big deluxe box set from somewhere. I, I think I've seen it before. Somebody, online, but. I thought somebody did. I know American Ninja came out. Eighty eight films did it, did that. 
But yeah, uh, yeah no, I'm not I'm sure. This is, yeah, Enter Revenge and Ninja Three. Yeah, I think all of them have like a like a box set together, which is which is pretty damn cool for for those movies because they're you know they're all different and kind of yeah. crazy. I'm looking right now. Uh, I'm yeah, double it's... checking. Uh, it is who did that? I don't know. But it's it's region. Right? It's region B. I think it's UK. Hey man, there you go. And I, so I know to... Germany really. I know Germany released them on Blu-ray, um, single disc, and because I bought those, you know, a couple years, a few yeah. years ago. Actually, uh, Eureka Entertainment, which is a pretty decent company, they they do some good work. Yeah. So yeah, they have the Ninja trilogies. It's it's if you have region free, I mean, it's a pretty pretty damn good set. But um, if you don't want to grab yeah. the uh, you know, bear, the separate ones. Screen Factory has uh, Ninja 3, and then Kino has Enter the Ninja and Revenge of the Ninja. But Arrow is going to be releasing a couple more Shokasugi films. So the first one that, that was released was Pray for Death. And, you know, it's not top tier, but I had some fun. Uh, the same kid that plays his kid in Revenge of the Ninja is in it. And he does some ass-kicking as well, which is fantastic. Um... But uh, I don't know, man. I uh, you know, I had a lot of fun with it. It's if if you've seen all these films, it just follows right along what, suit. Pray for death. <laughs> yeah, but pray for death. He has like yeah. the uh, metal, you know, shredder mask. He looks like shredder. Yeah, shredder. <laughs> Which so, I don't know is an actual yeah. ninja ninja. Because um, I thought ninjas are supposed to be in the shadows. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like they'd be really wearing metal. Hey man, show can wear whatever he wants. But this one has a battle. Are you of, gonna tell him not? Are you gonna tell him different? No, man. But this one has the battle of two ninjas. We got a good ninja and a bad ninja, right? Is that pray for death? Am I getting confused? No, Revenge of the Ninja has a good ninja and a um, bad ninja. Yeah, I actually haven't See, seen pray for death. They're all uh, running together for me. It's so there's a there's a lot of similarities with Revenge of the Let's, Ninja. You can't watch all. You can't. Damn, watch getting them all confused. <laughs> Because you're going, yeah, you're going to, all your ninja movies consist of, um, you know, the white ninja being good, the red or black ninja being bad, and then for some reason, a lot of them carry AK-47s. Oh, there's no AK-47s and, in these ones. No, 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 I'm saying in a lot of the, like, older, like, 80s and 90s uh, ninja movies, yeah. for some reason, a lot of the ninjas have guns, which hmm. I never understood. Well, I blame G.I. Joe. Your internet is sucking balls today. Yeah, the internet is not doing very well. All right, but uh, anyway, this error release, I mean, it's it's fun, but like, yeah, I'm getting them all confused. I can't remember if there's a bad ninja in this one or not. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, there no, has, no, there's not. There he, he, no, there, there's not a bad ninja in this. Uh, there is there's a bad game. Did you watch gangster. this? How do you forget? Dude, I watched Revenge of the Ninja and immediately watched it with Pray for Death, and I'm getting the, both the films confused because they had the same exact little kid in them <laughs> playing his son. Who's also a badass martial yeah. artist? I'm excited to check it out because I man. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I mean, I can't even really remember seeing it. I just remember, I remember having the tape and watching it. But that I've also might get that fused with Rage of Honor. <laughs> right, right. And Rage of Honor is the next one that's coming out. Yeah, I don't have my Pray for Death tape anymore. Huh? But I have my Rage of Honor tape. 
and I don't know which one I've actually seen. Yeah. No, it, it looks pretty so good. I, it I'm looks like this is the unrated version, and it looks like for they spliced in a lesser quality um, transfer to get the uncut, I think, because you can tell on certain scenes that are more violent that they look a little bit different. They're not as crisp. So I'm not sure exactly what they did when they re- restored this because I know the UK um, 101 films ha- has the rights to release Pray for Death and Rage of Honor, and they didn't. They don't have the uncut versions because I was going to buy those to try to save money, but they actually tweeted at me and told me that, sorry, we don't have the uncut versions Arrow does, and those are only getting the US release. If you're in the UK and want to buy a UK Blu-ray of Pray for Death and Rage of Honor... It's cut, but if you want the uncut versions, you need to buy the U.S. releases of the Arrow Films Blu-rays, which is kind of... What? So the Arrow released these in the U.K. and they're cut? Arrow is releasing these in the U.S. only. The U.K. rights went... Uh, 101 Films has the U.K. release rights. Oh, uh, well, that's good to know. Yeah, so if you buy the 101 Films Blu-ray, those are going to be edited. The R-rated versions, not the uncut. Yeah, 101 Films isn't the greatest with stuff like that. Like, they're, I don't know, they're kind of like the Kino of, um, Kino and Olive. Yeah, they kind of, they uh, they just do bare bones stuff. I mean, I'm glad, I mean, I've gotten some, you know, I mean, they're the only company that would put out Toy Soldiers on Blu-ray, so, you know. Yeah. Yeah, There was one movie I was going to try to get to that 101 Films has, a Shokasugi film, Called uh, Black Eagle or something like that with uh, Van Damme. Yeah, yeah, Black Eagle. Um, yeah, it's been released on Blu-ray a couple times in different countries. Yeah. So I was hoping it would come over here. Eventually. Yeah, it hasn't yet. I was going to try to get to that, but I didn't get to it. I hear it's a bit, you know, not as good as these. But I mean, it's Van Damme and Shokasuki. I got to see it. All right. Uh, you know, Shokasuki had this thing like his deal. He had a deal, I think, with with Transworld Entertainment, the people that put out like his, you know, like Pray for Death and stuff like that back in the day. He had this thing. I don't know how many, because I have like six of them, but I didn't place it until you know a couple years ago. Um, he had this thing called Shokazugi Presents Ninja Theater, <laughs> and it's these, uh, you know, on the tapes you put it in, and he's the host of this show called ninja theater and he talks about all these like crazy like you know it's like joe bob briggs but for ninja movies that's awesome and uh yeah and i have i have a few and i would you know i I saw it the other day and i was like holy shit i forgot about that because i I watched a couple of the films but yeah it's 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 nuts i don't know how long he did it or where it aired yeah but um yeah he's the host Uh, i don't know if it was a special thing for for these tapes but yeah, Trans World Entertainment put them out, and it's like Shokazuki presents whatever. But um, it's, it's pretty cool. I need to track. I know that I have on that big old box that I have from Mill Creek Entertainment the classic, uh, or was it um, Cult Cinema Collection? I know there's one yeah. called it. Was it the Nine Deaths of the Ninja? That one features an opening dance number. Uh, mm, opening I ninja seen, dance. I haven't numbers. seen that movie. It's it's bonkers, but Pray for Death also has an opening ninja dance sequence. Kind of like it's almost like they're trying to do the Bond thing. I love dance sequences. It's fantastic. So mm. I apologize if I didn't really get the plots to these movies spelled out to you, uh, but they're '80s ninja movies, 
and uh, I think you know what to expect. Basically, someone is going to piss the ninja off and innocent people will die and he will go to collect you probably revenge kill, you probably kill his family. on all the motherfuckers. May, family members may be involved in the deaths of being, being killed. Maybe. Actually, it is all the time. That's pretty much a ninja movie for you, but uh, a lot, ton of fun. That's all I got, man. Gotcha. You know, you're cutting out really bad. Now I am? Yeah. Damn it. I don't I don't know if it's me or if it's you. Because you can hear me fun, right? Now you're cutting out. Yeah, see, so you, you sound like a fucking robot. <sighs> really? Now? Do I? Yeah. Damn it. But I don't know if that's me or if that's you. Like, what? whose connection is that? Yeah, I don't know. Skype's just being a total jerk-off. Yeah, I think it might be Skype, man. It might be. I know, like, Xbox Live is down. Like, there are some major things going on with the internet tonight. All right, well, let's, let's try to... It's good right now, so... Okay. Are you done? I'm done. I got a whole bunch of stuff. I, I kind of, uh, I splurged. I have a lot that I need to get to, but, uh, I will try to get to all that mm. in the next couple of weeks here. Nice. Yep. All right. So I will go. I don't have much. Um, I have a few, few things here. I didn't get to round to watching all that much. Um, however, I do have a small little pack. So um, next, I, I you, you you've seen this, and um, you know if you want to purchase the Blu-ray, you can go to thespiritcabinet.com and purchase uh, this Blu-ray. But it's a uh, short film from um, this guy named Kevin McTurk. Um, it is called The Mill at Cobbler's End, and it is a 15-minute horror short, um, primarily comprised of puppetry uh which is you you would think you if if someone told me that i probably wouldn't be intrigued because i was like okay it's puppets but it's really really well done and like kind of a gothic tale Mm -hmm. um in in Uh, of course, Jason Fleming is one of the voiceovers. My pretty much my number one favorite actor, so I'm kind of boxed already. Um, but anyways, just a very kind of small tale um, about a witch, and uh, you know, very, very well done, um, ex- well executed, and some great just work with puppets, and also just. Because there's there's real things as well in the film, like um, you know, uh, land, like when when the puppets are on land, and also yeah. uh, using u- utilizing uh, you know trees and grass and, and the sky in order to tell the story. So not everything is a hundred percent you know a miniature or whatever like that. And I don't know. I I, I think in, instead of going the route of having uh, you know, taking out 
um, a stick for the puppet's arm. They they just kind of leave it in there. You know, they don't try to make it look a hundred percent like the puppets are actually right. alive. They they or they're trying to tell a puppet. You know, using puppets. Yeah, because the mouths hiding it. The mouths don't move or, or things like that. You know, you totally know right. they're puppets. Yeah, they do some right. compositing and some removal of things. I know the compositor, the VF, VFX guy, Adam Sager, and um, yeah, he did a. I was at a screening in LA, and he did. a kind of talked after the after the we watched it but yeah it's it's an, it's amazing man it's really good yeah so definitely if you, it's kind of expensive but it goes to a good cause for them to do more and if you are a uh, you know collector it's nice to have a blu-ray of something uh, another i think it's on vimeo you can it's, watch it yeah it's on vimeo it's you can on there. you can buy it for nine bucks you can watch the trailer so, there. I'll I'll include a link. But for nine bucks you can get sweet. it. Um so let's see. And then um next up, I, I saw this movie at uh, South by Southwest and I wanted to put it out there again. So I rewatched it and I enjoyed it a little bit more uh, the second time around. Um, but um this one was uh one of the midnighters, I believe. It was called Excess Flesh. And it's about um, this these two girls that are roommates, uh, Jill and I think Jennifer. And you know they they live in L.A. and Jennifer is you know really pretty. You know all the guys like her. You know she has to basically fight them off with a stick. Jill is a little bit more ordinary and um, homely looking, and kind of. Um, she goes a little crazy having her friend have all this attention that if she, she wants, how do I say it without giving it away? Basically she chains her up in the house and tortures her to an extent where it's really disgusting, like has to deal with like food and, um, you know, almost trying to make her what she can sit what the, what Jill would consider ugly because of what she's been all her life, but you know it's kind of a mental thing. So it's it's kind of a, it's a it's a fun, gross psych, psychological horror film um, that's very limited on location. That also goes in this psychotic state, uh, which you kind of get lost in, and you will kind of gag. So it definitely was better the second time around. I couldn't believe that Midnight releasing got to release this on DVD, but it's just kind of a small little company that releases a lot of, you know, not that great films. So when I saw this picked up, I was like, you know, I saw Excess Fush at South by Southwest. It was fairly decent. I figured a bigger company would release it and put it on blue, but unfortunately it just has a DVD release. Mm. Um, next up is a film that I've seen a couple times. Uh, but I picked up the Criterion version of it um, was a, a film called The Honeymoon Killers, uh, which is based on a true story. And the film has been done a few times. Uh, the Lonely Hearts Club, mm-hmm. um, Alleluia from last year or 2014 um, was loosely based on The Honeymoon Killers. But it is about a man and woman who um, – find each other uh she becomes obsessed uh, his name is uh ray um and her name is fuck what's her name martha so martha is 
uh, finds this guy, Ray, who is a con man. Um, and he tells her that he's a con man kind of towards on their second date, telling her what his scam is, is he'll find, you know, widows that have money and he'll, um, you know, seduce them and steal everything they have. Well, this kind of turns Martha on and she gets on it too, posing as his sister. Um, kind of the same premise in Alleluia. Alleluia takes it to a next step um, and makes it ultra violent and gory. Um, Honeymoon Killers is like in the 60s, or I guess late, maybe late. Uh, let me look at the year. Uh, 1969. So, yeah, 6970. Um, this is a, also a 4K um, uh, scan, which they did a great job. This was one of their DVDs that they upgraded, so I was really excited to see it. Um, but it's very disturbing, even for 1969. Uh, watch it, watching a film that is so kind of uh, psychotic um, and kind of mean. Um, you know, if you've seen Alleluia or The Lonely Hearts Club, the other film that it's based on, you nothing will kind of be spoiled for you because the story's told in different ways, um, either through Ray's uh, point of view or Martha. Or together, um, this one is kind of told in the sense of in Martha's mind, I think, um, psychologically, because it kind of gets, I don't know, it kind of digs deep under obsession, um, even for her, because you would look at it as Ray is the bad guy, and um, it kind of turns out that they're both kind of you know fucked up. But Martha is pushing it even harder than Ray was pushing it when he was just a con man and single. So definitely something to pick up. Uh, very fun in a really psychotic way. So that would be a weird double feature for Access Slush and Honeymoon Colors. <laughs> um, next up was a Screen Factory release of um, The Late Wes Craven. I, I was excited to return to this movie because I watched it when I was younger and I did not like it, but it was uh, Surfing and the Rainbow. I enjoyed it um, a lot more the second time. It is a very simple story. Uh, Bill mm-hmm. Pullman's character is an anthropologist who is uh, sent to Haiti, and um, there's this uh, uh, mixture, this like powder, this dust that um, can bring people – um, you know, make, make them almost zombies. And it, uh, you know, this movie reminds me a lot of kind of a, a Ken Russell style of a film, just kind of how, um, like weird and back. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Ken, Ken Russell has this, like, I think this is one of Wes Craven's dirtiest movies, uh, aside from kind of last house on the left. Like I, I feel I feel dirty while watching and not that anything that you're seeing on screen kind of fucks you up. It's just kind of grimy. Like everyone's yeah, it's, sweaty and, and yeah. And dirty. it's, I mean, it takes place in Haiti, but yeah. yeah, it's just a really like dirty movie. And I, that's always a, a, a thing of cinematography that actually it works. I don't care for it, but it works on me. Like I remember one of the most notorious scenes This is way off topic. But one of the most notorious scenes for me ever that made me super uncomfortable, it still does, like I get nervous when I think about it, is I th- like Children of the Corn 2 or 3 when they're actually in the church and he has uh, like kind of a wooden doll and he takes a knife and he's whittling at the nose, giving the guy a nosebleed in the church. 
that cinematography is just so wet and and steamy and just so, so sweaty that it just makes you uncomfortable. And that's kind of how this whole movie feels to me. Um, and the cinematography, if that's what they're going for, really works. It makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it it's more or less um, – I don't know. I, I feel worn out after I watch the movie rather than scared. I really liked Serpent in the Rainbow. I think it was streaming on, on Netflix or Amazon Prime or something like that when I first saw so, it. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not, not a bad movie. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have seen it, so it's not something I need to go into detail all that much. Um, but yeah, it is an upgrade. It's a HD master from screen factory with, um, actually they did a, a commentary with Bill Pullman, which oh, cool. was, uh, which was kind of cool. Um, I didn't listen to it cause I literally, I can't watch the movie again. I don't think so. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> well, it's, it's good. It's just, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I, it's one of the Wes Craven movies that I really don't care for. Huh. Uh, and I never have. I did enjoy it more. Like I, I could watch it and, and not be like, I think in the past I've watched it and got a little bored and got distracted. Hmm. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's just, it's just an odd, it's an odd, odd movie. And I just, I'm not, I don't feel it, I guess I'm not a hundred percent. You have my address if you ever want to unload it. <laughs> gotcha. All right. And next, I am there is a company called um the Horror Pack and oh, yeah. they have a uh two options. They have a DVD option and a Blu-ray option where you can get monthly um four uh DVDs or four Blu-rays um from from their site uh shipped to you every month. I think it's like kind of the middle of the month that you get them. That's what it feels like. Um, however, uh, they wanted me to feature a, I guess, unboxing. I'm not going to call it unboxing because I think that's uh, silly. Oh, we got to do this um, YouTube, man. Got to do it on YouTube. And then yeah, we'll actually, people will actually give a shit. These fucking YouTubers. So anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, if they have. If you, if you are a YouTuber, uh, we mean no disrespect at all. We just, yeah. Well, I, I mean, it depends on how you seriously go about right. your yes. your YouTube's. Um, don't be annoying with it. So, anyways, they have a DVD <laughs> one month plan um, that it's uh, twenty bucks per month. You get four DVDs. They have the DVD three month plan. Now that's the one month plan where you just do it once and you're done. Uh, they have the three month plan, which is uh, nineteen twenty three. Which is uh, for three months with four DVDs. They have the oh, they upped it to oh the six month plan, which is eighteen forty nine and seventeen seventy four for you, twelve months. You pay all you pay all at once though, a lump sum, or do you pay every month? I think I think you do like a lump sum, right? Um, yeah, it's 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 every six every six months. Yeah. So and then which a lot of people, uh, more people like is the one month plan for twenty four ninety nine. To try it out, you get four uh, horror Blu-rays, um, and then uh, the three-month plan, which is twenty-four twenty-four, and then the six-month plan, which is twenty-three forty-nine, and the twelve-month plan, which is twenty-two seventy-four. So twenty-four twenty-two seventy-four for a year, um, which is what like almost three hundred bucks. Um, yeah. You get a movie sent to your door. So. The main thing that kind of what would prevent me from doing this is as far as as far as a collector goes, it seems like you're 
you know, going to get a lot of films as duplicates if you have a large collection. So um, I was kind of curious if I would just get this out of the blue, how would this turn out for me? Would I get, you know, some cool things? Because you don't kind of know what you're going to get. I yeah, actually, that's why I'm not really. Yeah, uh, I did. Uh, well, I did know. some research like on the past and 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 some of these, uh, you know, actually, sadly, I did watch some unboxing videos. Jesus Christ, dude, take some like. 30 minutes or an hour to do an unboxing with four movies. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I can We've tell you five about, minutes. I can tell you about 30 movies in, you know, fucking 15 minutes. So anyways, here we go. I am going to open this up and kind of see, I haven't opened it up yet. So I am kind of excited to see oh, exactly what this whore pack has to offer. So I want pins and needles. Yeah, I, I know. Can't. Right. I just so we're going to see is, it. you know, I own a lot of shit, and so does Sean, so we will say if we own these or not, and uh, from this pack, from the other packs that I've seen people open, it seems like it is pretty well-versed, and they have some cool shit. Yeah, I talked about so, it on the show once before, when they first yeah. started. So let's see here, I'm gonna do what the YouTubers do, just put my hand in here and pull something out. <laughs> so um, the first one is 30 Days of Night, Dark Days, mm. which is uh, the sequel to, of course, 30 Days of Night, which isn't too bad. Diora Baird's in this movie. So she is such, yeah, she is, uh, I think she's gorgeous. Um, I already own this. So um, this is already own <laughs> this Blu-ray. So, um, but definitely a, a decent sequel. But again, I think this would be good in the pack because it seems like it would be underseen because I think that's kind of what this thing should kind of go for is movies that they kind of know that maybe people have passed up in the store because it was 30 days a night to me seems like a movie like, oh, yeah, I know they made a sequel to that, but I've never seen it. Have you seen it? Yeah, I wasn't a fan. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say, like, you know. It's, I mean, it's, it's okay. It's it's an okay yeah. street to, you know, direct-to-video flick. It's more of an action flick, isn't it? If I remember, it's, they kind of treat it like... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's kind of an action flick. I'd, I'd, All right, I so... Would, uh, I'd, I'd revisit it. So, next up, another film I already own. So, we are two for two here. Uh-oh. Um, Wrong Turn 5, which is... a odd movie to throw in a pack since um i don't know i don't know what to say because I, I i think it's a good title to put in there but it's it's wrong turn five you know i've never I seen any of the wrong turn movies and i think i'm fine yeah so far like if this was the one month plan and i paid 24.99 for this um like i said i don't think collectors should do this I think if someone's trying to build their collection, right. yeah, I think this would be a fun little gift. But it's fun not knowing what you're going to get. Even if you have duplicates, I don't know. It's kind of fun. All right, so next up, whoa. Oh, they should have called this the deluxe pack. <laughs> um, there's three movies in this set. Jesus. All right, so anyways, um, this is a three uh, – three, three, three movies in this it's uh forget me not which is a very weird horror film um not the greatest uh there's another one called house of fallen which i have never seen it's uh follow the watchers a group of fallen angels in the house of fallen as they walk amongst the earth disguised as humans torturing the vessels they inhabit oh sounds awful Ah, okay. And then another, I've seen this cover a few times, uh, 
Red Hook. And Red Hook, Jenny and her friends decipher cryptic text message clues after joining a welcome week scavenger hunt that isn't what it seems. That sounds kind of intriguing. It's 86 minutes. How can you go wrong with 86 minutes? (laughs) So, um, you know, this is actually be a win for me uh, because I haven't seen two of the films. Uh, I don't remember if I liked Forget Me Not. I think it was very forgettable. (laughs) Um, All right. So last but not least, let's see what we have. I have, uh, is this a horror film? Dreamhouse? I've never seen it. Uh, I just uh, see Daniel Daniel Craig, Rachel Wise, and Naomi Watts. It's like a thriller. You know what I mean? A thriller. Oh, Jim Sheridan directed. Is this a horror film? It's more of a thriller. Hmm. Well, I've never seen it, so there, there you go. That is uh, another. All right. So, trying trying to assess assess it. Assess For me, this. honestly. Since I have so much shit, I I probably wouldn't go for it. But if this was me, like, say, uh, when did I start really collecting horror? Because I, I had collected movies that hadn't really dived into collecting horror. So, yeah. so 10 years ago, if it was me 10 years ago, this is something I would I would have totally done it. Because I can get a pack, keep it I want, sell what I don't want, and pretty much be happy. But... But right now it's yeah. probably either going to be stuff I already have or stuff that I just have no desire to see. I mean, I don't know. Like i I think I think it's I think it's worth it because, um, like, even for me, for an avid watcher, and we, you and I, watch a lot of a lot of movies. So out of this, uh, now I know not every time you're going to get a three pack. But out of this thing, I haven't seen uh, three and a half of these films. I can't say that I've seen Forget Me Not because I literally forget everything about it. I think I'm getting it confused with another movie. What's the movie where the girl moves into an apartment and she uh, discovers that somebody else was living there and something bad happened to him? So she starts having visions and like she starts ripping off like the wallpaper and discovers like this whole new thing in her house. And I thought that was called Forget Me Not, but mm. I don't think it is because this is something about uh-huh. high school. So, okay, so I'm, I'm going to say four movies. I haven't seen four movies out of this. And I, I have to say, like, if I didn't own any of these, I think I would be pleased because, you know, I think 30 Days a Night is a film that a lot of people haven't seen. Um that just never got around to it. I think wrong turn five falls in that. Cause I think people gave up, which don't give up on the wrong turn with these people. <laughs> like I know that sounds I never even weird. Started. I think, I think that sound. I know that sounds weird, but one, two, four and six are totally worth it. And three and five have their moments. Um, and then of course I haven't seen these other four. So I don't know. I think if I did it out of the blue and, you know, I, I would, I would probably wouldn't do just one. I would say if you're going to do this, I wouldn't just go ahead and do the 1999 one for a month because you're going to do it. And then you're going to get maybe this if you're a collector and you're not going to be too excited, but I've seen other unboxing videos and what people have received. And there's some, actually really good shit in those like they give out steel books and stuff like that special collector's editions like you're not going to get probably something like pieces from grindhouse video 
um, you know, grindhouse releasing or whatever it is. However, I think for the most part, I think maybe the best thing to do is to drop the, you know, 80 bucks and do the three month and then go from there. Yeah. And just, yeah, you'll know by then if it's worth it or not. Yeah. And I think, I think that would be the best way to tell. Cause I mean, honestly, this is a really cool idea. Yeah. I like the idea. Yeah. Getting four movies, uh, four Blu-rays in the mail and you have no idea what they are. I don't know. I think, I think it's a pretty cool fucking. Well, that's why people like those different box type subscription things. I mean, you know, there's the, there's a whole bunch of those, these types of things, but, um, I hadn't, hadn't seen one for movies yet. And it's, it's a good idea. I think they, you know, if they get a good, you know, a good variety each month of really cool stuff, I, I think they got something. If it's just kind of standard run of the mill horror or thriller type movies, I think, you know, I think then it's kind of going to get bland. But if they, if there has to be a reason for people to drop that money for, yeah. for the stuff. Well, but here, here's, the, here's the thing is that this is, this is kind of how I would also assess this is that let's say you're in the store. Let's say you're at Walmart, you're at Best Buy and you go to the horror section and they're having a big sale and all their Blu-rays are $6. You are going to be the person that goes up and picks up every movie you haven't seen for six dollars. It's super cheap for a Blu-ray. We have all done it. We've all went <laughs> to the five-dollar bin. We've all went to yeah. the six-dollar bin, and we pick out the films. So look at it that way, right? L- look at it that way that you're going up to to the wall, and you're like, okay, I haven't seen these because I mean it's cheaper than running the fucking movie on Voodoo. Oh yeah. So I mean, it's roughly what like six six bucks, like six. Six dollars, what six dollars and twenty cents? Probably the fucking thing. Not a random movie. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. If you do the twenty four ninety nine or whatever, yeah, so yeah, yeah, like yeah. So six 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 dollars twenty five cents. So look at it as six bucks. I I, I I've been guilty of that. But I go up to a wall like on Halloween during the Walmart sales or Best Buy. They have oh, them all just... for like. You know, five, six, seven dollars. Yeah, yeah, you just go along and you pick up everything you haven't seen. I hold my hand out. I they all just fall into my cart. There you go. That's <laughs> man. That was a lot of Blu-rays you just threw in there. But I don't know. I, I think if you look at it that way, I, I think you have to be. Don't be pretentious about it. Don't say all these people right. don't know what they're doing because I think it is a really cool thing. And I think that if these four movies were out and I didn't own them and they were six bucks on the shelf, I would pick them all up. Yeah. So. I don't know. I, I think it's a. I think I think it's definitely worth it. Give it a shot. Yeah, I think it's a cool thing what they're doing, and hopefully it catches on, like the horror block and stuff like that. I think the more um, it ca- the more it catches on, the more people that are you're going to get dupes. Going to get cooler stuff. You're going to get duplicates, but look at it. Take it to fucking Fye or Movie Stop or wherever that takes. Move fucking return it to Walmart. They'll accept anything, you know. <laughs> yeah. And and get get some money out of it. Yeah. Success. There you go. Now you just paid a little bit less for your horror pack. There you go. So, I don't know. All right. Yeah, do it. Heavy Metal Horror. <laughs> we, we have our feature interview to get to as we continue along with our Heavy Metal Horror month this is our final episode for heavy metal horror uh we got a chance to talk to beverly and ferd sebastian directors of rocktober blood this is great 
All right, today's special guest, we're very excited to have them uh, be a part of the podcast. Um, I can't believe, Brad, I can't believe you found them, but we found uh, the directors. Hey, it works. I was super, <laughs> super duper excited. I, it was, yeah, I was blown away, and they said yes on top of it. <laughs> well, we, so. got the, we have the, the directors of Rocktober Blood, um, Ferd and Beverly Sebastian, on the show with us today. Welcome to the Screamcast. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us and even remembering us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm actually um, this. I watched Rocktober Blood for the first time this week. So Whoa. this I, is I a, envy you though. I envy th- you. This is a movie that I've been I've heard about for so long. I'm like I've said on the show. I'm, I mean, I'm a huge '80s hair metal uh, hair band fan. I had a I had a college radio radio show called Big Hair Mondays. For some reason, this movie eluded me um, until I had met Brad, and Brad had mentioned it, and it's been one that I had been wanting to see for quite a long time. So first of all, I just <laughs> want to say thank you for this glorious film. <laughs> it was a lot of fun to 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 revisit or to visit for the first time, especially that last 15 minutes, uh, the concert scene, which is fabulous. Oh, so good. Um <laughs> We had a lot of fun making it, but it's been a long time. Last scene took half the budget. It sure did. (laughs) Well, I know that Brad's grown up with this film. I'm going to turn it over to Brad, uh, to you, Brad, so you can uh, throw out the first question here. Yeah, well, my um, my first history of of your films was being a young child in a video store and seeing the cover of Gator Bait and really, really wanting to watch that movie because there was a really, really hot girl on the front and (laughs) she didn't have a bra on and that was a big thing for me. So eventually (laughs) I got around to renting it and I was hooked ever since. And I saw Rocktober Blood at a young age too. And when I put, when I was old enough to put two and two together to recognize director names, that's when, you know, I just became a total fan. So my very first question is uh, October Blood, 1984. Um, what was kind of the driving force behind making this film? Were you guys really into metal, um, into rock? How, how did that, how did that uh, work out? Well, let me, before I answer that question, give you a tidbit that you don't know. When you were oh. 10 years old and saw that, game, that film Gator Bay, that little 10-year-old boy was Tracy, and that was his first starring role in a film. He later did Rocktober Boy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took him a while, but he learned how to talk. <laughs> we, didn't, we wouldn't let him talk in the film because we were afraid he couldn't remember his lines. <laughs> so we made him a mute. <laughs> now, to go, back with, <laughs> to go back to Rocktober Blood... <laughs> We uh, have, I've always been crazy about uh, rock and roll and heavy metal. When Tracy was 16 years old, being a good mother, I was trying to communicate with him still because he was a little bit wild. And he introduced me, as I mentioned earlier today, to Aerosmith. And I fell in love with Steven Tyler and all of the heavy metal bands of that genre. And uh, that's sort of what we did. And I always loved horror. 
And I'm saying this because Ferd, as I mentioned earlier, is a George Jones type of guy. He never really could <laughs> understand the rock and roll. He, he liked the music, could never understand the words they were saying. <laughs> <laughs> but so when we got ready to do, I always wanted to do a horror film. So I said, let's do a horror film this time. And that's when we decided to, uh, to do the horror film and put it in rock and roll. So that's how it was born. Awesome. Wow. Now you're I saying had, you... I had a hard... Go ahead. Oh no! I was going to say you you're, you made this film in a way to connect with your child in a way is what you're saying. Like well, you know I'm you made. That, I'm saying that Tracy is the star. He's Tracy Lauren. He used Trey yeah. Lauren. Okay, his real name is Trey Lauren Sebastian. But this was not a union film, and he was a member of SAG at the time, and. So he couldn't do the film because we made we shot the film non-union. So he oh, okay. just used Trey Lauren as the name, and so that's that's who he is. But he uh, he's been in uh, about eight films of ours, and he has to get cast just like everybody else. We we tried <laughs> a lot of people, tried a lot of people get getting somebody that I thought could both act and could do the rock and roll scene because. We knew that we had. He had to mimic uh, Nigel Benjamin, who did the singing. He had to do it, and I think he did one heck of a job. Hmm. It like to scared me to death directing him, though, because <laughs> Tracy is the type of guy that he would never rehearse. In he wouldn't put out his all in rehearsal. In other words, he just sort of stand up there and say yang 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 yang, no hmm. energy or nothing. And I like to pull my hair out until I passed his bedroom <laughs> one day, and he I saw him in the mirror in his room rehearsing the scenes, all those movements and all that stuff, that rock and roll stuff. I saw him rehearsing it and I thought, oh, thank God he's going to be able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can watch, you know, most of the time uh, you loop, if you're, if you are um, putting in another voice, you go on the stage and you loop these things and go over them and over them in one sentence and and get it down pat and he he sung from beginning to the end we never did that no. we never had to go he knew the song so well the beats of the music so well uh you can look at the you know, if you saw the first scene where he's in front of a microphone mm -hmm. uh I, i've never seen a flaw in that when he is right on the song and the same with the ones in the end too I was completely amazed that he did that in, the, in all the movements and stuff. But one thing I'll let Bird tell you about the makeup in the film that would be interesting, because in the end scene, which is, like I say, half of our budget of the movie, uh, Tracy had quite a thing happening, and I'll let Bird tell you about it. Okay, on the end scene, we, we have the killer coming in out in the open. And they think he's Billy I. He's really his brother. But anyway, with the makeup on there, the last scene, uh, he gets electrocuted. It took, he has another skin right over his skin. And under that, they have little um, plastic tubes. For veins. For veins. And so you can't see him when he's just up there singing. But when he comes up to that scene, they hook him up, and it's a pump that a special effects man handles. So as he's getting electrocuted, he can pulse those and you'll see the veins in his face start moving mm -hmm. and up to a point where he bursts them. And then that's when he starts hitting blood down his face. Well, 
We also, to add sparks to it, we put little charges taped to his chest and shoulders, and we could they could set them off when when they were supposed to go off. So the one right in the middle of his chest, they're padded on the backside, and the and the charge goes out forward. Well, <laughs> when it when they charged when they did the one on the, on the front of him. It fired backwards instead of forward, oh. so it fired right into his chest. It imploded. It imploded instead of exploded. And so we never knew this because he didn't stop singing. The music was going, the show <laughs> was going, going it was one take. And he was going. Wow. And then we got through it. As soon as we said cut, he was ripping his shirt off and trying to get trying to get this fire out on his chest. And he said, why didn't you just say cut? And he says, I'm not going to sit in that makeup room for another three hours putting another face on. <laughs> he, said, he said he told us, he said, Mom, I told you it was going to be a one-take shot, so don't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> and, so the, and that's what it was. And I think he did a terrific job wow. even looking back at the film today. Oh, so man, anyway, oh. that's part of the fun we had. No, that's that's great. I mean, that... that that ends that like I said, the last fifteen minutes of that movie, um I was just grinning ear to ear, and then how the movie ends is just is just perfect in my opinion for this type of film. Um Well I thank you. I thank you for that because that's the first rock and roll concert I ever put on. Yeah. It was- I said if I ever came if I ever came back I'd like to be a, a rock and roll producer. I would love to have done those in my lifetime. Oh yeah. No, that's pretty fantastic. But it, the thing that I um, love about about this 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 film in particular is we've seen a lot of horror movies, especially especially slasher films, that all take place in one location. Um, it's pretty much you know there's a few locations here and there, but this one has a specific kind of, in a way like a first act, middle act, and then final act in three kind of distinct locations. There's the beginning in the studio. Then it ends up in the, the cabin for a bit, and then we get to you know the concert hall, and then the concert itself. Um, and I really like that. I like it when a movie, do, no matter what the budget, the movie goes out of its way to kind of take me to distinct areas, you know, and, and kind of take you through a, a journey with with the characters. And this one, it felt, and it, for me, it kind of maybe that was a way of stretching the budget dollar, but it made it feel, I think bigger than it was was that intentional or was that just you know oh you know that's no that was to save money i'll go over the sets with you real quick yeah the the recording studio is the record plant in los angeles okay so we that's where we recorded but then the house or cabin as you said but the well let's go for that from the record plant <laughs> <laughs> they walk off out of the control room, and she goes and takes a jacuzzi. Mm-hmm. That's in my that's in my home in Los Angeles in an atrium. So that she walks into there, and that does the jacuzzi scene. Mm-hmm. Then, then the other girl that gets nailed to the wall out there in that first scene that is in the uh, studio that we rented to do the final scene in. To do the concert scene. To do the concert scene in. So that's where that is. Now then. The cabin. The cabin. The cabin is is Beverly and I's house in Lake Tahoe. So we just use the whole house in Lake Tahoe to 
to do that scene. And the, and the uh, uh, speedboat on the lake, well, that's our speedboat on the lake. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we just But I'll tell you something, remember, wasn't that the one we had the scene where our, what's your oh, name? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, we had two scenes in my house in Tahoe, which caused me to sell the house. <laughs> one was when she comes up out of the, the he, comes up. he comes up out of the jacuzzi and grabs her one scene and then the scene where he opens a closet door and he comes out. That was my bedroom closet door and to this day I don't think I can walk back into that house without being petrified of him coming out at me. <laughs> yeah, we had that uh, jacuzzi's on a lower level of that house and Tracy found out something that he could do in that thing is you put the air jets on so it'll bubble. Mm-hmm. Okay. He could lay down in the jacuzzi and breathe. It suck in the air that's coming out of the air jet. Wow. <laughs> so we thought, so we did that almost all in one long scene. Wow. We come into the killer's POV and it's the thing's bubbling and it's in, and there's no cuts in there until. He comes over to the side to get in the jacuzzi, and then he comes, he comes up out, out there and grabs her. <laughs> I don't know if anybody gets that uh, time in there that, that it took that he was underwater. Wow! Because uh, they probably thought we cut somewhere, but we really didn't. Yeah, that's, did that that, that's what I that's what I would have thought. Yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's insane, but awesome. One right, of so- the things that we had our, our reputation in the business was always putting it putting the money on the screen. Mm-hmm. That was the thing that I can tell any independent producer, put the money on the screen. And we had a real knack for doing that. Even though they were low budget, they will look like they cost a lot more money than they did. Mm-hmm. So don't forget that, that concert scene. It doesn't compare to the uh, Hollywood vampires on the Grammys the other night, <laughs> which we'll, we'll do in our new show, the sequel, but <laughs> <laughs> good <laughs> i think so i mean i sorry brad do you have any you, you have well i just well the one thing i was more concerned because you said you were always kind of you know your son introduced you to aerosmith and you're kind of you know you really like the yeah. genre how did you get sorcery to actually do the music for this well ben our older son found he was in charge of music, music production and he found him with i think kevin eddie was a friend of his and he was rod stewart's uh, guy, engineer, engineer, and so we found him that way. He was our engineer on the, uh, that music. Too. He, he was the engineer on the music too. That's how we got them. And then back to the genre of rock and roll. Tracy again uh, found a film in uh, Cannes at the Cannes Festival. Uh, ACDC, let there be rock. That everybody turned down, and every distributor turned it down except us. And we brought it over here and did created a special event. Uh, out of the film and started sell- we sold it a number of places especially that handling and then we made a deal with Warner Brothers and went across the country with them doing the same thing but he's always been into that rock genre and that allows us the the entree into that he'll be available for a for a interview if you want to set that up he's down here visiting us and um, so he'll be available if you want to talk to him sometime too oh no, that'd be excellent yeah um, so, yeah, sorcery is actually still around, which is crazy yeah. as well. Yeah, they're still they're they're still kicking it. They're still making music, a lot heavier now, 
But um, I talked to I yeah. talked to talked to Perry a couple of days ago. He's that's, working with us on this new re-release. That is, yeah, that's something else I wanted because you mentioned that, and I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that on the show or not. So you are now. Is this going to be kind of a theatrical run, or how are you guys going about the re-release of Rocktober Blood? Because yeah. I'm going to tell well, you right now, people are going to be stoked about this. Well, They're really going to be happy. Planned, and then I'm going to give you a briefing, and then talk. To, I'm doing an interview with Trey Sutter because he's really in charge of that. We're going to release first the DVD. We're going on Indiegogo, a campaign to help us raise some of the money. But we're going to do a DVD. Then if we can get our, our negative back from one of the distributors, we're going to make a Blu-ray. From that, we're going to, after that release, we're going to, in October, have a Rocktober Blood Festival in selected cities around the country, possibly four or five. We're going to go in and we're going to put on a special event showing where Tracy will make a live appearance. We're going to have the wall of sound like we had in the ACDC film and um, going into selected theaters. And then after that, uh, Tracy intends to go in and do the sequel. He and Ben will be producing the sequel to Rocktober Blood, uh, Billy's Revenge. If we finally have if we an get audience the money, If we've got the audience, right. My mind, oh, my, my head just blew up. Like I just exploded. <laughs> like that was just, that was so much information like I, I don't like I don't know what to be happy detail. about first. He can tell you in detail because we've been working it out, uh, you know, as we go step by step. We didn't know anything about this thing being a cult. I've been into greyhounds and Ferg's been into Christianity, <laughs> and we've sort of left we've left this sinful way of living behind us. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to take the sinful money and do God's work with it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? It is it is a cult classic, and it is loved. Um, it is one of the I don't know. There's there's a few, there's a few of the you know of this subgenre have you know heavy metal horror like Trick or Treat and Rock and Roll Nightmare, Black Roses, which we've actually spoke to filmmakers um, all all in, in you know involved with those films. I think this is another one that could stand up there. It's just that you know it just had a, v, a VHS release, and that's pretty much yeah. it. You know, so well, we, I, I think a resurgence is needed for, for, for this film. Well, it appears that there is an audience out there. My grandson discovered this and started telling us about it and then got Tracy involved and we started researching. And there is quite a, quite a following. If, uh, if they like it and want to see more, well, we'll, he'll be able to revive it and have a lot of fun doing it. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun to, to do the rock and roll and this, the new film will have a lot more rock and roll in it than the first one, but we'll also have a good story with it because Billy, I, I'm not going to tell you what he does, but he does some real interesting things. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to love. (laughs) He's been in prison a few years. He's had time to think. (laughs) Wow. I'm like, I'm sweating right now. I don't even know what to say. Um, Uh, I wanted to kind of get back to that concert scene really quick. Did you, cause it, 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 the, the, those last fifteen minutes of Rocktober Blood are are basically a rock, you know, a filmed rock concert. Did you did you guys treat it yeah. that way? You know, how yeah, many nights did it was it a few consecutive nights? How did you approach shooting yeah. that scene? Like I said, we did that one scene, a one take, buddy. That's wow. a one shot take. That Tracy was he had all that mess on him. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. When that thing imploded. I mean, that was a one take, boy. From, we had a little from, audience in there and. From the yeah. whole, the whole audience and everything that was uh, 
they just yeah. went, they started playing. You guys were shooting on a couple of cameras, or I'm sorry, what? Well, as far as the the concert footage, was it just here? We're going to go through this uh, this this these three songs, and and did you capture it as it as it happened? Yeah. Oh wow. We did the whole we did the whole concert when we rented a stage. And we did the whole concert right there. We set up the stage. We did all the lights, the decorations, mm-hmm. everything, set it up. And then we had, didn't we have a small audience there? Yes, yes. We had a small we audience. Small. We had, but, uh, um, but then, Tracy, I mean, it was a one-shot deal. It I mean, was the only, was only, only break we took it, it we took a break uh, uh, to get Tracy um, wired, wired okay. up for right. the end. Wired up for the end. Matter of fact, that was really, he went. He went, we went through on through to the end scene, and then the audience and all left, and we just did the ending where he got electrocuted. Okay, with just us, with just us there. Wow. Because like I, mean, I cause... say, it was one. Most of our most of our films, if you do low budget, if you take more than three takes, buddy, you've had it. <laughs> right. One to cover one reel, and one in case something happens to the camera. Yeah. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. Like that, there's such an and there's an energy to that scene. That you yeah. know that it it felt completely real. I mean, it felt like you just turned oh, on the camera and watched a concert. It was a, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I used I used to tour with bands and things like that, and I and I love I, I love live yeah. performance. You know, seeing bands playing everything. That's what and, he and, did, and that was just we turned energy on to the it. film. We turned on the film, hit the music, and away he went. Man. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> if I had not if I had not snuck up on him and seen him rehearsing in front of that mirror, I would have probably had a heart attack because yeah. I knew it was the one take and he he just did a terrific job. That's awesome. That's so cool. So anyway, that was good. Yeah. So I'm glad the kids love it. I'm I'm very totally. I'm very curious. I mean, Brad, um I mean I'm very curious about how because you guys stopped doing films in ninety three or ninety four. Right, ninety three. Yeah, ninety three. We retired for the third mm-hmm. time. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, Only this time. This time we moved to Florida. Right. So, what sparked your interest in? Because I know you've been doing this. Uh, is it Greyhound Rescue? Is it more of a uh, um, bringing? You're using greyhounds with uh, with prisoners. What What started that journey into that? Because that's you know that's that's really fascinating. Moving from the film industry to more of a nonprofit. What I mean, what, well, what happened we there? Moved from, we moved from Los Angeles, California, to Homosassa, Florida. Now I don't know if you've ever been to Homosassa, but it's a little town on the river. And leaving Los Angeles and coming down here, I thought I would go insane. <laughs> so I got interested. <laughs> we found a dog at the vets over here, and it was a greyhound. And I started writing a story. I thought, I'm going to make a movie. I had a contract with Paramount to do another film. And I said, I'm going to make a movie on Greyhounds. And I became interested in them, got involved in their plight, formed the foundation in 94. And I've been doing it for 21 years. The Second Chance at Life prison program we've been doing for six years. And it is the most, uh, most unique program there is in the marketplace. In fact, we just released a recidivism report. If you don't know what recidivism is, it's when people get out of prison and how many come back after they've been through mm. the program. And we had zero returns. Wow. So now we're talking to the state of Florida about possibly putting it in all the the, film, uh, the 
the prisons in Florida because it, uh, we saved over the last five years over $3.5 million the state of Florida just by keeping prisoners out. And the Greyhounds and God are the reason this program is successful. That's incredible. I introduced, yeah. They're trying to, in the Senate right now, they're trying to pass another bill for the umpteenth time to stop Greyhound racing here. And that's fine if they want to stop it, but they've got to decouple it in a timely manner. They can't do it at one time because they'll kill 10,000 dogs right. in no time at all. So we're pushing to decouple it. If they want to decouple, which means separate the dogs from the gambling, mm-hmm. that's fine. But they've got to be responsible for these dogs and get them in homes and give groups like myself time we're, to get them adopted. We're talking about, uh, about 10,000 dogs. Well, 10,000 on the track and 10,000 on the farm. So we're really talking about 20,000 dogs. It will be immediately wow. gone. So we have to eat that number of dogs or just have them put down. Hmm. But I never um, I never have been involved in causes. I've always been just involved in the movie business. And we've done a lot of movies with the Greyhounds. But it started, I never have made the film that I'd like to make that started the Greyhound Foundation, which was a film called Happy, Run, Happy, Run. And I've never made it. So maybe one day the kids will make it when I'm gone. <laughs> and uh, you can talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what, so what do you do with the, the, the greyhounds and the prisoners? How does that, how does that work? Do, do they get a dog to take care of or how, how does that, yeah. that specific thing? Well, work? we had, we had back seven or eight years ago, they were killing so many of them. I didn't have any place to put them. So I was looking for a foster home mm-hmm. and came up with the idea based on some other people had done it. I just took it national. Uh, I think of everything national anyway. So I, um, the greyhounds in prison. We take them from the track, take them to the prison, and we. The program begins teaching prisoners how to become dog trainers. Mm. After six months, they're capable of becoming their own dog trainer. We don't have to send a professional in with them. Now these people are as good or better than the professionals because the dogs live with them twenty four seven. They live in a dorm together. They take care of the dogs, and every ten weeks we have a graduation. Our next one's coming up March the eleventh. And we graduate the dogs, then we work with partners and send them to homes to be adopted around the country. But the prisoners, what's so good, it started out as a dog program because I'm a dog person, (laughs) but it became such a program for both men and women of teaching parenting, anger management, how to get along with people, being a member of the team, things that they're never allowed to do in prison this program allows them to do. And now we're going outside. When they get out, we help them get jobs. We uh, keep up in touch with them. We have Facebook that we, we have social media to help them try to readjust to life. And that's, I think, why they're coming out. And some of them have gone into ministry. Uh, And God, like I said, no one knows what the real secret is, but that is the secret of the program. We don't push it on anybody. We've had Muslims in. We've had all All types of people in. And uh, it it all it all works out. So we don't force anybody to do anything. Mm-hmm. They they take what they want. And really, about ninety nine point nine percent of them come out Christians because <laughs> uh, they found that that really works in their life, particularly in there. Yeah, they have to have an answer. They have to have hope and forgiveness 
And I tell them when they go in with these dogs, I said, you'll find this greyhound is the closest thing to God you'll find on earth. He forgives you for anything you do. He cares nothing about anything you've ever done. He doesn't judge you or anything. And I think that's why the prisoners really communicate, especially with greyhounds. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, Brad and I are, are definitely dog lovers. And yeah. so when I, when I saw that you guys are doing this, I was just kind of blown away. That's like, wow, that's a really incredible, you know, change <laughs> from Hollywood well, you're, to this. You're invited, you're invited to come up with me and go to graduation sometime. If you'd like, I'd be cleared <laughs> and you'd have a ball. You, you would be absolutely amazed. We're taking a couple up with us next in, on the 11th. Wow. And, fun, uh, fun fact, you only live about 30 minutes away from me. Brad, you should go. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I noticed you live in Lakeland, right? Yeah. So oh. yeah, I saw that tonight. Um, I'm too far away. I'm in Southern California. <laughs> but one, one of these days. Well, hey, don't don't worry. I go out to Southern California every now and then. I'm bringing <laughs> California down to me next week. My great granddaughter is coming down. I'll get to meet her the first time. Oh, nice. That's okay. Tracy's. Uh, that's Tracy's grandchild. Nice. So. Brad, I apologize if I if you have if you have anything to ask, Brad, interject oh, by all means. Oh no, I, well, one question I have is that, um, you know, obviously you guys have been married for a long a long time, but how did uh, how did working together, um, <laughs> basically on every film, uh, develop so, so and that, how did that, that work? It's, it's very simple. Are you married? Uh, no, I'm not, but I have a a life well, partner did, basically. Did, well, if you ever do. <laughs> You let her think she's the boss, and she let you think <laughs> you're the boss. But that way, everybody's happy. <laughs> truthfully, truthfully, what we really do with it is that we work very well together, and uh, we think much along the same lines. Uh, I'm a I'm a number one cinematographer, and I and I direct through the camera on most of the shows. Beverly directed on this show. She directed on a couple of shows both teenage shows uh, because she understands them better than I do. Like I say, I'm the George Jones guy. Um, <laughs> they don't get in the line and knock them in the head. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, so, so, but she is the business end. Now, you, on most shows, I'm the director and that is the final word. Whatever if I cut a scene, if I put a scene in, if I want to do it this way, we want to do it that way, we'll discuss it, but I'm the final word. Now then we're going to sell the picture. <laughs> now it goes to her. Mm. Uh, hey, I would go to Cannes, and I, I, I'd go to Cannes in France and, oh. get, and get the show's way, and she's over there saying, no, no, shut no. up. You know, I want to take $10,000, and she wants 30000 for it. He doesn't know how to sell. (laughs) He doesn't understand when you're working with Middle Easterners and stuff. You never get what you ask for. No, they they really like to barter. They like to barter. It's like they're selling rugs or something. They really like to barter. And so the first year we probably we didn't sell too much. The next they say we had a show that we wanted to sell for fifteen thousand dollars to one territory. Now we learned we went over there and we wanted thirty or forty thousand dollars for that, and then they would try to, to us work down. us down, cut us down. And we're like, oh, mm. I'm dying, you know, I'm dying. <laughs> and, and anyway, so they get us down to maybe twenty-two thousand, which is seven thousand more than we wanted for mm-hmm. it. But they're happy and we're happy because they got to do all this dealing. 
Right. So that's how we've been together. We we celebrate our 63rd anniversary on March. Whoa! 12th, well, congratulations. Which is, wow. We're going to celebrate up at the prison with the girls on the day before, and uh, we um, like I say, we have he's boss of one thing and I'm boss of the other. That gives each of us in the partnership mm-hmm. a chance to excel and get satisfaction for something we do. We go to the prison and we share everything equally. She yeah. takes care of the dogs and I take care of the girls. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now you put that on radio. <laughs> uh, oh, that's great. So how did you guys get into the filmmaking business? We got into the filmmaking business because uh, Ferd always liked photography. After he was in the service, he liked photography and we did from there to television uh, commercials in Houston. And then from television commercials, we started doing shorts. And we met a guy that came down to do a, a movie from Hollywood. And he hired us to do a documentary of him doing it. And third, after we watched him, he says, you know, I can make movies better than that. And I said, well, let's make movies. And so that's what we did. We just started from scratch and didn't know our heads and our tail. And <laughs> Got us some books and learned and studied. We, we always used our own money. And used if you have, our own if, money. If you have a young audience out there that uh, would like to do something, this is the most fantastic time in the world to do God, it. Yeah. But we got video cameras now. Oh, yeah. You know, I was going with 35-millimeter film right from the beginning, and you shoot that and there's no erasing it. You've shot it, it's either good or it's bad. And you spend a lot of money. This, when you shoot it in videotape, you don't like it, just rewind it, do it over again. It's a uh, fantastic time for young people. Fantastic time. And, and you can get some really good cameras uh, for really a reasonable price yeah. if you're thinking about doing uh, this Maybe. type of work. Well, there's that film, Tan- really Tangerine, that was filmed on an iPhone. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you can do that. I mean, and like I've told, a lot of I told these kids, get out there and do it. Get right. yourself, set yourself a goal and do it. You can. It's a wonderful time. And you don't even need to go find a distributor like we had to. That's how come we had to distribute our own films mm-hmm. until we made a deal with Paramount and Warner Brothers. Nobody wanted our film for any money. Now you can put your, you can become your own distributor like Puppet Master on uh, YouTube. You can become your own distributor. Right. Yeah. So it's a, it's a marvelous time for people. Wow. What else you want to know? <laughs> well, what, what what I want to know, I mean, because a lot of people, you know, when they find I, – I come from a, a really strong, like, Christian background. So that's something I'm always – whenever I hear someone has that going on, I'm always very interested because I was, I was raised in a strong Christian family. So now I was kept from and discouraged from watching horror movies and listening to heavy metal and things like that. So because right. of that – I, of course, became attracted to heavy metal and horror right. <laughs> and things like that. Um, and, and a lot of people, when they do have a life change, when they do become, you know, born again, Christian or, or, or whatever, they, you know, kind of don't want to talk about their past or, or things like that. Or they try to just shove it, shove it behind and, and, and have it disappear. Yeah. It sounds like you guys, on the other hand, have, um, the difference is want to hear from you guys as you guys actually embrace that as a part of your you know as, as your background which is fantastic how part of our journey through life and uh-huh. it's also 
where Ferg is today in his ministry and where I am today is on the back of the re-release of Rocktober Blood in all of our films that are coming out. So right. if they don't want to see it, they don't have to, but it is there. You, right. I'm, I'll give you a quick thing. You can cut out if you want to. You asked me why we stopped making movies in 1993. Yes, sir. Uh, I had a heart attack. The doctor said that I had 10 days to live. And if I, if they gave me an operation, it would probably I'd probably die on the operating table. Hmm. I did not. I, I, it just looked like no way out for me. And I was going back to Paramount, and we were making our last movie, which was Running Cool. And I was going back there, and a, a voice came to me and said, "Jesus is the answer." That was it. Three words. When I got uh, when I got to the studio, Beverly was there, and my older son was there, and I asked they'd go out on a vacant soundstage with me and pray. Well, I'm not a big prayer, hadn't been a big prayer, didn't know what to pray, didn't know what to claim, uh, what to say, anything. I went out there, and they held my, went then held behind me, and Beverly held my hand, and I just said, Jesus, please heal me. And there was a snap in my chest, and I was healed. Hmm. Went back to the doctors, and, and and uh, he said he he wanted to take me into the hospital to operate on me. I said, I don't need to. I have perfect circulation. So the, he, he gave me another test. And he, and he says, you're right. He says, you have perfect circulation. But he says, I can't believe that Jesus healed you. I said, I, said, well, I don't care. That's what I believe. And he says, well. I still can't believe that I can believe one thing. I said, what's that? He said, yeah, perfect circulation. <laughs> so that's been uh, 27, I think 27, 28 years ago, something like that. And so we came, we, we retired down here and, uh, Running Cool is my last theatrical film, but I've been making some films for Beverly and on the Greyhounds. And, uh, I started a website. And it's called twojesus.org. At the end, we'll tell Okay. But anyway, <laughs> on that, what I was going to tell you, because you came from a religious background, and I... How'd you like to live with us? You came from a religious background, and I came from a motion picture background. Mm -hmm. And so I found out one thing. Religion is not it. Jesus. Religion is not it. What it is, is is a personal relationship with Jesus. That's all it's all about. That's what we tell these girls in prison that I think makes so much difference. And the men also. We have men in prisons in Arizona and up in Michigan and in Indiana and Ohio. And that's where so many of these guys have gotten out and been able to stay out. Because we tell them what our journey through our life is, what we've been through sin and raising hell and having a great time in our 20s and 30s, <laughs> 40s, 50, we got a little holy because of bird-faced death. <laughs> and, and in October, October, I had a massive heart attack, and it didn't damage my heart, but it gave me five cents. And Ferd couldn't let me get away with that. A week or two later, they have to put him in the hospital, and he gets five cents. <laughs> so he couldn't let me get ahead of him, but now we're doing great. And, and then Tracy came down here to take care of us, so Tracy, he hates me calling him that. He will always be Tracy. He likes to be Tracy, <laughs> okay? So don't, 
seen him. He probably seen me behind me. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's a mama's prerogative. Oh man, well that's you know I, I'm always fascinated by people's journeys, um, and it it just. Uh, it's it's great that you that you guys are embracing you know embracing your films and 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 talking about them with us you know we're like I say we're we're huge fans of of Rocktober Blood I haven't I don't think I've seen the other I've know of Gator Bait but I haven't seen it Brad oh you, dude you, Gator Bait I'm, I'm Running Cool the Hitchhikers the Single Girls they're all like you guys had like a certain I don't even know what to call it because it it's just this really like gritty. Uh, like I, I would say, maybe probably up to, uh, I would say probably up to Gator Bait. You guys had this like really like grungy, like dirty looking tones to your films, that, but they gave it like a sense of realism, and that's why I always kind of a, a, attracted to those films. A couple of the early ones before uh, Gator Break was uh, oh, God. The Hitchhikers. Yeah, The and, Hitchhikers, uh, yeah. That was a then, fun film. Then we did Single Girls, and then we did uh, Flash of the Firecat. That was a fun one. That was a fun movie. And uh, it was Captain Midnight, Tracy. Captain Star, Midnight, Tracy Star, Star of that. That's a teenage uh, picture on uh, on a pirate radio station. He played. We got some uh, good music in that. We got Cat 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 Scratch Fever and uh, uh, a couple of more. We got some uh, Maggie May. Maggie May. We kind of got in a little bit with that crowd because Ben's friend, uh, Eddie, Kevin Eddie, he's passed away now, but he was the engineer for for these groups. Hmm. And so we just get, get to use some of their music. In the trade, our, our pictures, you're right, in the trade, they were recognized as a Sebastian film. If we took our films to Cannes, we didn't have to put the thing on somebody in the audience and say, that's a Sebastian film. There was a look that we had about them. I've always called it what we consider the McCall's lighting. When we were in still photography, we could only afford one light. Hmm. And we used an umbrella, and we would use that one light source, and it seemed to have followed over on our uh, photography because Ferg was always in lighting and cinematography. So it sort of followed over that natural look that uh, that we used. Of course, mm-hmm. Time Magazine had another name for us. <laughs> They they did a story on us many years ago, and they called us the Ma and Paul Kettle of the movie business. Because <laughs> <laughs> what you see is what you get. We've always been down home, whether we were in Cannes, France, or whether we were in Hollywood, or in Homosassa. So well, You can't beat that. I mean, that's, you know, nope. I can respect that for sure. We've oh, been yeah, all totally. over everywhere. We've had a good time doing it. And now we're sharing that, like I say, with the girls in prison. That's what our whole story is. Wow. We share the, our journey through life with them. And uh, hopefully some of them it's, it's saving and giving them a chance to do something with their life. They'll have a second chance. That's awesome. So that's what we're doing. Truly amazing the journey you guys had and uh, the films that you've done and also inspired a lot of people. Because I know a lot of people that love Gator Bait and Rocktober Blood. And, um, you know, they, they idolize those films. And, and I, I've always, uh, you know, done so as well, even Gator Bait too. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, it just, I think it's, I think it's truly great because you guys have had 
a long, long journey and accomplished a lot of things and have made a difference in many people's lives, uh, whether it be inspiring people in movies or, you know, inspiring people to do better with their lives. So, yeah, I, tr- I truly think what you guys are doing are, is magical. So I'm glad you were uh, we were able to have you part of this uh, part of this show. Well, we thank you for inviting us. Yeah. And thanks for accepting. <laughs> so where can people find every find everything that you guys are doing? Okay, if they're lo- if they're looking for Jesus, they can go on first website at <laughs> tojesus.org and they can talk to him and see all the fantastic work he does. Over a million people a year visit him from all over the world. Wow. That shows you they like they like Jesus more than they do my dogs. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> <laughs> on the Greyhound, you can go to giveasecondchance.com, or if you want to know about the service dogs for our veterans, you can go to purpleheartgreyhounds.org, and he'll tell you about Facebook, because I don't deal with that stuff at all. <laughs> on, on the, 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 the only thing that's happening on October Blood right now is, is Facebook, uh, Facebook and it's Facebook slash October Blood. Right. That just started two two days ago. We just opened a new page. Wow. Okay. Telling about the release, and um, that's that's where you can find information information on that. Okay. You can visit Ferg. You can go to Facebook and visit Ferg Sebastian, and you can do me, but you'll never hear from me because I don't go on to it about once every year. I follow my Facebook page. Ferg does all the time. But, uh, she but she just. She just works too hard. <laughs> and it really is hard. It, 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 hey, I got 20 some babies in a prison I got to <laughs> take care of and make sure they're okay. And, my God, have you ever thought about that? I used to have seven and a hundred. I've cut it down. I've only yeah, got 20 some now. We cut, we, we cut it down from probably uh, close to 200 wow. to. Uh, to uh, yeah, I saved almost 9,000 greyhounds. Wow. Wow. Did you hear that? Yeah. 9,000. It's amazing. I mean, really, what you guys are, are are doing is is just fantastic, and it's uh, you know, to make to make a difference in people's lives like that is uh, is is great. And uh, I'm 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 inspired, man. Yeah, <laughs> definitely you know, inspired. Bird will be Bird will be eighty. I'm old. Eighty what? 80 I just say eighty, 80 something. Eighty something. We're in July, and I'll be eighty one. I'll be 81 on mine, and we say, what do they say? Orange is the new black. We're saying 80 is the new 60. There you go. There you go. Well, it truly is a pleasure uh, to, to speak with you both about all this, and we, we definitely wish you all the best with, with uh, these, these nonprofit stuff that you're doing and, and, uh, and, and for your ministry stuff. I mean, we really uh, wish you guys all the best with all this. And, I mean, uh, shoot. There's there's more October blood to be uh to be had, so that's even that's exciting. I've been on this thing looking on this internet of us. I thought, my God, where did these people get all this information from? <laughs> <laughs> they know more about they know more about me than I do. <laughs> oh, but man. they don't know they don't know the budget on October blood. They do know the budget on Gator Bait. You know what the budget was? I have no idea, but I would like Fred? to know. Brad, did you know uh, yeah. what the budget was? I have no idea, huh? but I'm anxious to know. The budget on Gator Bait was ninety thousand. It made oh, wow. over fifteen million. Wow! You hear what I said? Yeah, I've I I <laughs> am all ears. I'll sit and listen <laughs> so to stories all, these, all night. Tell all, 
<laughs> Tell all these kids out there they can do the same thing. It's all hard work. It's still what in America is good, and everybody, we've got the American way. We can do it. That's right. But don't forget, Jesus has got to be the way. <laughs> was an interview with Beverly Ann Ferd Sebastian, directors and writers of Rocktober Blood and some other things. Uh, There's some movies I want to check out now. Man, Running Cool, Gator Bait, do it all. Do Um, it all. If you, I'm going to put a link to their Facebook. uh, It's facebook.com slash Rocktober Blood. So keep an eye out. They're going to be having some announcements there if they haven't already about a uh, possible Rocktober Blood DVD. Um, and then it then it should be leading into, hopefully, what what did they say in the interview? Again, them getting the rights to the... Uh, negative. The actual negative, so they can actually do a, a Blu-ray. Yeah. So uh, once we get full-on information that, we'll be tweeting the shit out of it. Putting it on the, we'll be putting it on our, on our, the website and Facebook and everything. Um, and, uh, and, and we'll go from there, but, um, this, this, this would be really fun to see, uh, like a collector's edition style Blu-ray. So whatever it takes to get that to happen, I'm, I'm all in. So yeah. I'll, be, I'll be checking out this on, on DVD. And even if it's just, even if it's just a DVD, this is a fantastic, really fun. Well, it's a re- like, <laughs> it's only been released on VHS yeah. once and yeah. the, be, like look it up on eBay. The VHS is like a hundred bucks. Yeah. Yep. So you know, either way, it's a win. Definitely worth it. Totally. So man, that was a really fun interview. I got a uh, took some turns. Didn't uh, didn't think we were gonna be talking some good old fashioned religion, but uh, but it was good, man. I, I have a huge respect for for them. So. We'll have all the links to their their websites and their websites uh, in the show notes as well. All right, now it's time to do a drawing. We've been kind of hyping this up all month long. Um, you will be. This is a drawing for. We got some sample packs of Coffee Shop of Horrors coffee. We got an official Screamcast mug. Um, and that's and that's pretty much uh, that's 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 the package. Uh, some stickers and buttons and, and stuff like that. We'll be thrown in there. So you're, you're going to get some Screamcast merch and some awesome coffee. And I'm, so I think it's worth hey. it, right? Hey, 100%. 100%. So here we go. 
I have a Bobo Fett hat. See hat. Not doing it in your fedora? Nope, I say Bobo Fett baseball cap that I got wow. from Disneyland. Disney, Disney. Which is basically turning into Star Wars land. All right, here we go. I grabbed one out of the hat. Here we go. Steve Johnson. Steve Johnson. Oh, is that that uh, the guy that sounded fucking scary on the <laughs> yes on the dog thing? Yes. Steve, you can't win, man. Well, no, I don't want to tell him that because it's fucking scary. <laughs> Steve, man, uh, thank you for for listening to the show. Thank you for interacting with the show so, so much too. Uh, he interacts with us quite a bit, and uh, we are we are definitely uh, definitely enjoy hearing from him all the time. That's the um, zombie zombie killer seventy nine or something. Yes. Okay. Yep. And uh, I want to thank all of you for participating. So basically, this is how the drawings are going to work. Uh, I think we're going to do one a month, and if you, you know, buy something from our sponsors or anyone that we're plugging on the show, um, and we'll let you know on each show, and it, it will basically, if you support them or whoever we're talking about, and support our sponsors, and email us readme at thescreamcast.com with the transaction, um, you will be entered into the drawing, and we'll do a drawing once a month, and. Uh, you know, there'll, there'll be more stuff than just coffee. I, I want to try to get some, try to get some, uh, maybe some, we can talk some companies into giving us some giveaways. So I would like to up the giveaways. Anything is possible, Sean. And I Anything think, uh, and I think we have enough contacts now that we can probably make something happen. So, so Steve, uh, we'll be dropping you a line or you drop us a line when you hear this. And congratulations, and thank you to all all of you who, who participated. I mean, this was the biggest drawing ever we've had so far, so a lot of fun. I mean, we haven't done one in a while, but it was, it was a lot of fun to to see the you know emails and everything you guys sent in. So, thank well, you for what did he, what did he do? What did he? Uh, do you know what he likes? Uh, he supported uh, Tex Montana. Yes, and he got he got the the Blu-ray package, so he dropped he dropped some some cash. Good so. for you. Good for you. Because um, if you didn't, didn't, I wouldn't have said anything. Because you know, <laughs> by the time you guys listen to this, it's gonna—it's the end. We're at the end for the Tex Montana Kickstarter campaign. So I know, dude, when does it end? What date? What date like is it? Like three end? days. So by the time you're hearing this, it could either just be ending or have ended already. If it's just ending, please—if you haven't supported the Tex Montana Kickstarter, please do. Help them yeah. get that. They're at this time we're recording. They're about ten grand away from hitting their goal, and that they're super close. And I would love uh, to see them really successful with this. So, um, anyway, all right. So that's gonna do it for that. That let me keep this here so I know who. Did, uh, did you know? Did, uh, you know, because I can say this now because it's 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 already over. But did you know that people can pull their pledge? Like I, I know oh, you shit, can. Yes, I saw that. But you can like – so basically – Don't pull any pledges, people. You could go up to a Kickstarter and donate like you know two grand because it doesn't take it right away. It's not any go-go. Mm-hmm. And then when they're down to like an hour, you can pull it and they won't meet their goal. How insane is that? 
That's like, basically dick like, move of the year. If like I understand, that. like it makes sense because you can cancel. You're like, oh fuck, you know, maybe you had some financial trouble. Mm-hmm. Maybe you know the people we found out were dicks, or you didn't like what they were doing. But dude, like that could like people that have honest campaigns like this one, huh. like god damn dude you like you could i i mean there's got to be some checking and stuff like that for people that actually do that because you could just have somebody going around donating like ten thousand dollars and then polls <laughs> i'm pretty sure you'd catch them pretty quick but dude like yeah. <laughs> like what if you like donated it like two thousand and then it's you like, the like punch in the balls de- decreased it to a dollar see that's the thing is like you know what if you're really anticipating like something coming out and you're being really generous it's like 250 bucks and then you turn around a week later the people are like oh man they're like ten dollars away from their goal so you decrease it down to like <laughs> five bucks because they already met it like what the fuck dude like oh shit how much size like i've never i'm yeah, like I, double- thought, I, I always thought you were just locked in yeah, Dude, we shouldn't be even be talking about this. We're gonna give people an idea, you know. But our listeners aren't total dick bags. No, no, so. we don't have any. We don't have any well, total dick bags. So some of them are dick bags. Well, we've had some <laughs> interactions with a few dick bags here and there. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, it's just it's just really it's really odd. Now I understand why people do Indiegogo. Gotcha. Yeah. Like yeah, I, because I was there. always thinking, like, man, no one wants to do Indiegogo because the money, like, people just take the money and run. But that's like they're really like both of them have their like perks and yeah. you know the good things about them. Like, I don't know, man. If I would ever do it, I would do Indiegogo because I wouldn't trust uh, Kickstarter changing. So tough call. Damn. Anyways, right, but yeah, it makes sense if you can up your, if you can increase your pledge, you could obviously decrease it. Yeah. And if you can't, no. you can cancel it. So, damn. But anyways, they are um, officially uh, so $8,8200 in three days. I think right. they'll do it. I think they'll do it. I think I think so. I think they'll do it, man. So. Pretty pumped about it. All right. Um, well, man, with that, that's going to do it for Heavy Metal Horror, man. I think we had a pretty cool month. I think Pretty cool? I think, dude. I think we had an awesome, amazing. Actually. I think we had amazing month. Like all yeah. four shows, all like top notch guests, uh, people that really aren't interviewed. Like we fucking, fa- I found the fucking. I'm not to gloat or fucking toot my own horn, but I fucking found the screenwriter for Black Roses. Yeah. How fucking cool is that shit? And she said yes. Like it is cool that everybody like. You know, we reached. I yeah. I'll be personal on the show. I reached out to actually. Uh, you know, because when we're doing this, when we're, we're constructing something like this, we we did la- last. Uh, oh, happy anniversary, Sean, for two oh, two, yeah. two years of Screamcast. Smooches but last last year, last year in February, we did black exploitation. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, even though I don't regret doing those episodes, the reason why I did those episodes is because I really tried to get guests that were on. Yeah. Um, you know, I uh, put a lot of things out there, and a lot of you know, some people didn't respond, and a lot of people, you know. Uh, you know, said no, or they were like, oh, let's schedule something. And then, you know, it just never worked out. Yeah. So I'm very fortunate to actually have a bunch of guests. But in order to do this, you know, you just can't reach out to one person. You have to reach out to multiple people. Yeah. And then you have to see what's going to stick and what's going to fall. And then you also have to say, you know what? I'm sorry. Like, 
we'll just do something else at another time, <laughs> you know, because you also don't want to overlap and have, yeah. you know, 10 shows on heavy metal horror and talk about black roses three times. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyways, you know, very fortunate to have, uh, you know, uh, Stacey Cusack helped me a lot with the John Michael Thor interview. Yeah. Uh, McBeardo was, it was a fucking cinch. I just say, Hey man, you want to be on the show? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was the extent of that. Like that was no problem. Um, you know, trying to track down people like, uh, Cindy Sorrell, uh, for, uh, Black Roses, that was a little tough, you know, because you also, you have to take into account that some of these people aren't active. So you just yeah. have to randomly message them on Facebook. <laughs> and, you know, is that what you did to Cindy? Yeah. Just, and, and man. I just sent her a message. And, you know, it's one of those things where you know how Facebook Messenger works. Oh, if yeah. you're not friends with the person, it stays in this, like, you know, this limbo in a mailbox <laughs> until they accept. Right. So you have a lot of that. I actually had a few. I had the lead star of Black Roses that I was trying to get a hold of. Um, I had uh, Mark Price, who plays Ragman, uh, Trick or Treat, that I was trying to get. You know, the guys from Deathgasm I tried to get. And then we almost had that too, is just scheduling conflict. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, a lot of things didn't work out. And, uh, the coolest thing about, um, and this is a story about the Sebastians, how I got him on the show, is that, um, you know, I contacted, uh, I tried contacting them through, um, their website because, you know, I, I remember the Gator Bait movies were put out by their, themselves. And I was like, oh shit. So I went to their website, panamafilms.com, and I, you know, wrote them an email. Well, it was like two weeks I didn't hear anything. So I was like, fuck, that's not going to work. So a bunch of my friends came over and, um, you know, I showed them Gator Bait. Movie was over. We we're just, you know, relaxing. And out of the blue, my buddy Dave says, what's the special features? So I click on it and there's a video promoting their Greyhounds. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like they promote, they're doing Greyhound. I had no idea. You know, I just thought it was the movies and you know, it was it, you know, talking about religion was the stuff we talked about on the show. And I'm like, you got, this is, this is crazy. And they're from Florida. So I go to the website and there's an email. I email them the Greyhound thing. That's and amazing, I'm like, man. Hey guys, you, I know you're like in the Jesus and, <laughs> and, and, you know, working with prisoners at Greyhounds, but, Want to come talk about a horror film and your, you know, <laughs> your skin flicks that you did? Yes, dude, embraced it in a heartbeat. That's they what I loved their, about it, man. That's what they're, I, so, they're so so sweet. They yeah, gave me their phone numbers. I give them a call. They're fantastic. The fucking nicest people, yeah. and they're like so down to earth, and becomes one of the coolest interviews that we've had. Oh yeah, and just like you know, and it just it, I'm really appreciative of you know people that. I don't know. Like you haven't been in the business for a long time. You know, you're maybe burnt out on all the questions or maybe you just don't, you know, you just don't care. You just don't have the time or, but I mean, people are so accepting, uh, to, to, to the show. Cause you know, we, we don't fucking make a dime off of this thing. So it's nothing for us. It's all about promotion for, you know, you know, cause we've promoted countless things, you know, uh, Kickstarters and Egogos, um, pro, you know, passion projects, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what it's all about—just to help out, spread the word. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a really a great month with a lot of people that were very appreciative, and I think that's what I liked about it a lot. Yeah. Is that some of our guests have mentioned, you know, emailed me back, or 
you know, Cynthia has messaged me a few times and her kids, you know, (laughs) messaged me saying, Hey, that's really cool. You have my mom on. I was like, you know, it's part of like, we're very family oriented fucking Noah's on the show half the time, (laughs) you know? And I just, I am really appreciative of what we've built. And of course you, Sean, because you've always, you know, we, we make a good team and it's just a very nice family we've built. And I think this month, truly yeah. shows what we've uh you know what we're all about and what we accomplished. Yeah, this so, is yeah. fun. I want to I would love to try to organize more kind of themes like this. Maybe we do it a few times a year or something like that. We'll, we'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, I think uh, I think it really think worked out. Cuz we actually talked about that. We're like, you know, cuz I know there was a time where we're like, all right, let's do heavy metal horror month and I'm thinking Wait a second. We tried that with black exploitation. <laughs> like it was fun. I don't regret it. But yeah. man, it didn't work out the way like we planned. And then you know it all yeah. like it all like fell in place. I and, think if you know, we, we plan it ahead of time, and you know, say in a few months we do another theme, and we use that few months to really get some things scheduled, I think we can do some stuff, or even even like a month ahead of time. Just, we'll just do something. But well, yeah. I'm not going to spoil anything. But you remember what oh, I told shit. you? We should do during the summer, right? I think so. Yeah, that would be insane. So anyways, we have a couple <laughs> things planned. If you want us to focus on, you know, a genre or, or something, you know, throw us some ideas because, you know, we, we like to stay in the horror stuff, but there's not a problem with, you know, branching out yeah. every once in a I while talking about, get... uh, you know, different different films. Because, I mean, we do what's on your doorstep. Yeah. We talk about everything. You know, uh, we I talk think... about San Andreas for Christ's sake. Yeah. Well, I think we want to get away from the – Hey, we're talking about these two Blu-ray releases this week, and what do you think of the features? Blah blah blah. We, you know, we yeah, kind of as, as are starting see, to cover yeah. all this in the "What's on Your Doorstep." And I, and the thing is, I'm I'm always I have a backlog. I have a pile of things I need to get to. Yeah. That if I try to focus on new stuff, I'm never gonna get to the old stuff, the stuff that I want to watch. So I think we cover that in "What's on Your Doorstep," and we'll kind of, you know, we'll just play by ear, but. uh you know, it's just a lot of fun. It's about having just having fun conversations about the genre. Yeah. yeah. Is there any heavy metal horror movies that we didn't get to talking about? Well, I mean, we've mentioned Trick or Treat, and yeah. I don't think we need to really go. No, we've we've talked about that so, quite a bit. You know, we love we love that film. I don't know. There's there's a couple. Like I know we mentioned on uh, our one of our VHS segments, one of our first. We talk about blood tracks. Yeah, and, that's, and that was always kind of a you know uh, a, a weird movie, but but a favorite. Um, that was fun of mine. Uh, you know, there's um, hey, you put me on the spot. I know. Sorry, man. I mean, I'm uh, I'm trying to think of stuff. Of I think I think I've seen everything that we've talked about. Blood Tracks was the only one that I was like, oh, we need to make sure we re- mention that. Trick or Treat, of course, we've mentioned quite a bit, but. Um, yeah, a little fun. Did I? I don't know if I mentioned this on the show, but uh, something I did want to. I want to say I was actually no, I didn't mention it on the show because I wanted to mention it to Mike, uh, you know, McPadden, because he was talking about uh, Fastway did did the soundtrack yeah. uh, to Trick or Treat, and as we all know, uh, Fast Eddie is is from Fastway, and also um, uh, one of is not from Rush. It's another fucking popular band. Well, anyways, you never mentioned the lead singer. The lead singer is actually Dave King uh, from Flogging Molly, the Irish folk band. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's actually – he was on like their very first like two or three albums as the singer. So 
like, and you think about that. You think about flogging Molly's music, which you know they're pretty popular, but they're like an they're old Irish <laughs> flogging Molly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're all like you know this really laid back Irish, you know, kind of punk. You know, tends to the punk audience, but I mean they play you know shows for elderly people and shit like that. But yeah, Dave King was the singer on the Trick or Treat uh, soundtrack. Oh, it's um, insane. You're talking about Eddie Clark. I mean, he was in Motorhead for a while. Yeah, that's Fast Eddie. He was Fast he was Eddie, in Motorhead. Yeah, but who's the the drummer? I thought was from something. Oh, I don't know. No. I, but anyways, I, yeah, that you're, you're going to take me into a uh, Wikipedia hole that I don't want to go into right now. Ooh, don't do that, Sean. I know exactly. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, I, I think, I think we covered a lot. I mean, we talked about, you know, rock and roll nightmare, tear on tour, October blood, um, you know, kiss me, sand the park we talked about. Um, so I, I think there's a lot we covered, you know, also, you know, uh, Mike mentioned, uh, the gate, uh, we had, we talked about shock and dead not too long ago, zombie yeah. nightmare, um, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, the weird turbulence three, um, a very underseen hack o' lantern. I think uh, some other things that we really didn't get to talk about that we might have is there's a um, there's a film with Tony Basil, yes, the Mickey girl, you know, <laughs> hey Mickey's, you know, uh, Slaughterhouse Rock, which oh, is this yeah. uh, weird vampire movie, but there's. There's some weird dance sequences in the movie. It's not I wouldn't really consider it heavy metal, but you know, as Mike said, there's a broad yeah. spectrum of what we consider heavy metal horror. Um, you know, and and that's and that's one of them. Another one that was in uh our VHS segment that I considered a heavy metal horror is Pledge Night. You know, mm-hmm. which I, I'm a huge, huge fan of that movie, but you have anthrax doing the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about demons. Uh, I was really happy that Mike mentioned Terror Vision because I always considered that one, um, you know, heavy metal horror. Um, you know, Slumber Party Massacre 2 has always been one of my favorite horror movies ever. That's um, rockabilly horror. Yeah, but dude, oh, dude, <laughs> it's, 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 it's so, it's so fucking good. It's it's ridiculous, crazy. There's another film that I actually wanted to mention on here. That I was we were thinking about doing the show on. I, I know I mentioned it briefly, was but it's Hard Rock Nightmare, huh. and right. it, it is about this kid who, um, you know, very similar. I think I mentioned it in Hack of Lantern has a very similar like beginning, but the the grandfather fucks with the little kid a lot, you know, just teasing him and everything. And, and, uh, he makes him believe that he's really a vampire. Like the grandfather makes the kid believe that the grandfather is a vampire. Cause he'll be like, ah, I'm a vampire. Ah. He'll like, he does actually really says that. And like that. <laughs> so the kid gets scared and ends up killing his grandfather. Cause he's scared. And he thinks he's a vampire. So he has to like live with all this, like, you know, shit that he, you know, went through and, and stuff that he did. And then he has this years later, he has this band and he goes out in the woods to like practice, you know, at this cabin with his friends and, you know, the girls tag along and um, they get stuck into this thing where there's like this werewolf <laughs> that is that is. Yeah, I know it. Dude, the movie doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but it's just so nutty and silly 
that it just it's one of those things that just you know that works have you heard about um, the movie lone wolf yeah lone wolf i actually mentioned on um okay. the the show with felissa rose because she mentioned the right. director she was hanging out with him lone wolf's a lot of fun it's just one of those movies that's it's really like a, really hard to find werewolf meets rock band yeah, it's 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 definitely one that's up there. I would say it's just it's really low budget and you know kind of you know kind of hard to find. Yeah. in a way, I mm-hmm. think another one that we uh, should have mentioned was, um, but we already talked about on the show is New Year's Evil. You yeah. know, because Shad- Shadows the band has that killer killer song. Um, nice. I'm trying to think, I, my mind's like racing now because I remember I did this like heavy metal horror, you know, a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah. Vicious Slips. Have you seen Vicious Lips? That's I think that's on a set that Shout Factory put up, like one of those like four like DVD packs. It's a it's um it, it's an all girl band that actually gets a gig on another planet. Dude, um, Albert Pune is he? He's the one that directed that. Yeah. Oh, it's so so 86. good. Yeah. And I, I need uh, to find this now. Are you sure? Are you sure Shout Factory was it Shout Factory? But maybe on one of their sci fi sets, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it's one of those sci-fi sets oh or something, God. or maybe it's like one of those like double packs that um, um, Bill Help actually release them under that weird label, like Grindhouse Cinema label. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, this is like I older. Think, shot I, I think I think it actually might be on there, like Full Moon did it or something like that. Oh. Um, um, also, there's and actually one of our listeners mentioned it. His name's uh, Horror Remix, uh, the Scream Dream. Uh, it's a shot on video, heavy metal horror film. The opening and the song in that movie is fucking amazing. Here we it's go. It's just an, another one of those films that's kind of hard to find. I found out where Vicious Lips is on. It's on Cult Movie Marathon. Uh, two disc set is nine thirty nine on Amazon. Yeah, it's it, Vicious Lips is definitely definitely worth it. Invasion of the Bee Girls. The Devil's yeah. Eight and Unholy Rollers are also on the. Yes, on there. that's that's the set I have. Nice. So definitely, um, definitely, definitely worth worth the money. Oh my god, those sets are fun. All right. So I, I don't know. I, I think that's that's about it. Other than you know, Dan, Danny Filth from Crazy Filth made a heavy metal horror movie that's like two hours and thirty oh, minutes. Oh oh oh! Ridley Scott is going to be producing. Yeah yeah, I heard a about that movie about a Norwegian metal band uh, and some murders. Well, all Norwegian death metals are involved in some type of murder. God, what is what? Um, Bursum is uh, Bursum is a um, had a band, and he like murdered his drummer and burned down like seven churches, and he went to prison, and he made music in prison, wow. and it's really really dark and weird. And then he got out, and he continues to make music. Nice. Yeah, I was trying to find the article about that Ridley Scott film, but that I mean, he's you know. That's that's something to keep an eye on. You know, n- another another really, I mean, this is more or less punk rock, but I mean, like I said, in vain of what McBeardo said, was Wild Zero, the fucking Japanese zombie movie oh, yeah. with guitar with Guitar Wolf. Oh my god, dude! Talk about pure insanity. Like that movie is insane. But yeah, I don't know. I I think there's a lot. You know, like I. Like I said, oh, uh, uh, Dream Maniac, the um, David Decato uh, film about the heavy metal dude that um, like makes a 
makes a deal with uh, like a succubus, <laughs> and then she 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 gets the succubus gets him to like bring girls so he can um, he like she can feed on him and shit. I think it's like the exact premise of the movie. But um, yeah, definitely a lot of fun, good music and shit like that. Awesome. So it's a really fun thing to actually get into heavy metal horror because I mean, if you like music and horror films, you're gonna either have a really good soundtrack in a shitty movie, or a shitty or a shitty soundtrack with a good movie. Yeah. Every once and sometimes you'll get both like really good things like you know Trick or Treat and Black Roses. Yeah. And Rock and Roll Nightmare, which I was glad that those were the main focuses for our show. Here we go. Well, here's the here's the Ridley Scott information because it was killing me. The film's called Lords of Chaos, directed by Jonas Ockerlund, and starring Rory Culkin and Caleb Landry. Damn, it's based on the 1998 book Lords of Chaos. He co-wrote the picture with the book's authors. Damn. So look out for that. Let's see, what did uh, Mayhem, there's a band called Mayhem that is kind of based off of, and that that band is pissed about the book. He says, uh, the co-founder says, wait, Mayhem co-founder and bassist Necro Butcher told Rolling Stone, this book Lords of Chaos is fucking crap and that some stupid Swedes are going to make a movie out of it is not okay. I'll do everything I can to stop this film. Tell the Swedes and the Hollywood people to go fuck themselves. Wow, I, I, I read Mayhem's been around for a while. I'm not an I'm not a listener as, uh, of Mayhem. Yeah, but I listen to I I've heard <clears throat> them through um, through uh, uh, Venom. That was the band that I was. Um, you know who was in Mayhem? Burzum. Well, Bur- Burzum is the band he's in, but he has like a weird name, like Varg something. <laughs> but Varg is the mur- murderer. Oh, 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 yeah. Varg Count Grishnak Virkness cut the head off the co-founder of the Norwegian Black Metal Mayhem. So that, dude, how, how funny is that? We just put that together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I just mentioned that. So yeah. that's, oh my God. So this so movie is going to be about that. So that's the band that he that he was in. Yeah, I kind of figured because it was like, I was trying to think of like murders. Like that was a joke because they all like, you know, do weird shit. But yeah, that's, that's where that stems from. Is that, oh my is God. That murder that he murdered his, uh, his, it was the drummer, right? Uh, it's the co- wanna... it just says co-founder here. Co-founder. Oh, okay. But dude, the, the, they've been trying to get this movie made for the past two years, attached with the same actors and the same director, and it looks like Ridley Scott finally came in in front of the front of the money with his product, production company. So it's dude, finally going to get made. Yeah. Awesome. I, All right. I wonder why they wouldn't want to make the movie. I mean, the guy fucking murdered people. And yeah, he went to like, jail. I mean, yeah, and now he was like released, and he makes music still. <laughs> so crazy, man. Jesus, that's, that's ridiculous. Okay. So. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's podcast. We're wrapping up Heavy Metal yep. Horror. Hope you guys uh, found some to watch. And yeah. I, I had a lot of fun with these. And uh, we hope you guys did too. As always, please support our sponsors. Go to thescreamcast.com slash sponsors. Coffee Shop of Horrors uh, it has some awesome coffee. 
And uh, if, if yes. you're a coffee drinker, check them out for sure. Use the, the code SCREAMCAST when checking out. You will get 10% off your order. Also, please go to grindhousevideo.com. He is stocked and ready to rock. Stocked with his cock. He uh, just put out, he, I know he just got a bunch of the pieces Blu-ray in. And that, that thing is going to sell out probably. So I would imagine that thing looks like it's been selling. And he's selling it now, which is before the release date. FYI. So uh, if you want those, grab them from him. And uh, use if you if your order is over twenty five dollars, use the code Screamcast ten. You'll get ten uh, percent off your order. And of course, uh, Wolfman of Mars have a new album out. Yes, they do. I listen right to right it. Now. A lot of fun. Is that the one that we that's out? It's Wait. a it's a brand new one. Um, I think it has, I, like yeah, that's the one I've on listened to. It's got like the uh, like cartoon. Yeah, on the front. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I did listen. It's to that, called Danger Peril Threat. <laughs> so it's out on Bandcamp right now, and uh, it's going to be hitting Spotify and iTunes, I believe. But we would suggest you go there. They're only selling it for four dollars. I paid more than four dollars for it. Um, yeah, that's, that's the stuff that you, you can donate whatever you want, right? Yeah, it's four dollars or more. So gotcha. Give the dudes some love. I mean, there's some really cool shit on Bandcamp, man. That needs to. Oh, dude, I've I've spent so much money on Bandcamp. Oh, you want to spend more money? I've spent too much money on Bandcamp because there's a lot of great bands on there, and they they sell stuff for fairly cheap. Go to Bandcamp. Go to VHS Glitch. Oh shit! And you'll go nuts. It's like one of the best bands out there. Oh my god. Okay, but right now we're talking about Wolfman of Mars. Uh, Buy the new album, Danger, Peril, Threat. That's not very nice. (laughs) <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Kevin Spencer, go to inkspatters.com. Is it .com or .net? Oh, God. It's .com. .net's the porno. .net's the something different. But uh, he has a gallery there. He has a store. He has some T-shirts. He designed, if he, if he didn't know, he designed our logos, our two logos. And please, uh, please buy some stuff from him. As always, if you buy anything from our sponsors... Send a screenshot to us at readme at thescreamcast.com. You'll be entered into next month's drawing for some free shit. Otherwise, uh, all of you guys have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye, Sean. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun.